2: You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
4: This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest
5: hits. C103.
6: And a very good morning to you. We're broadcasting live today from Glow. Uh, live on the Grand Parade, we have a special studio here right under the Ferris wheel and of course GLOW is a Cork Christmas celebration. It is on the Grand Parade, it has become a much loved festival, it's organised annually by the Cork City Council and part of GLOW is the wonderful Christmas markets, there's also everyday beautiful Christmas music and it really feels very festive in the city because of Glow and of course no trip to Glow is complete without a visit to Bishop Lucy Park which has been magically transformed into a, a historic Christmas wonderland and this year they've based it on the theme of the night before Christmas in Old Cork. It really really is uh, worth a visit and of course we will remember back to last Saturday we had Storm Deirdre and a lot of people didn't venture outside of their door and because of that Glow was cancelled last Saturday. Saturday. So Cork City Council have decided that the Glow Market and the Ferris Wheel will open for an additional day. Everything was meant to wrap up this Saturday, but instead. The Ferris Wheel and the Glow Market will open this Sunday between 12 noon and half past eight. Now, the Bishop Lucy Experience won't open for the additional day. They'll end on uh, Saturday, the 22nd, as was originally planned. Now, we have a jam-packed programme uh, for you today. In a couple of minutes, for example, I'm going to be speaking with the Lord Mayor of uh, Cork City, talking about his memories of uh, Christmas past. And also, talking about the challenges facing Cork City and what's good about uh, Cork City uh, today. And then later on this hour, we will have Bishops John Buckley and uh, Bishop Paul Colton uh, joining us in studio. They as well will be remembering Christmas of their past and also talking about what Christmas means to them. As always, our phone lines are open at 1850 333 103. Bernie is back in studio taking your calls if there's anything you want to share with us uh, today. And also, our text message service is available. 086 103, 103 if you want to text the program and as we've been doing all this week we have a pair of nathan carter tickets to give away nathan will play live in the marquee on friday the 14th of june and tickets went on sale last tuesday at ticketmaster.ie but aiken promotions have given us a pair of tickets to give away every day this week and today as we have done uh, across the week we have a little clip of nathan carter for you to listen to and you've got to work out the words that is missing now we'll play you the clip now but i don't want you to call yet you don't call until the final hour but here is today's clip of Nathan Carter.
7: It's just flown by we have been very lucky some of the shows have been s- which I never expected for my first time here.
6: Okay, there is well, there's actually two words missing in that sentence. Hang on, we will play it again in the next start. Then we'll play it in the final hour, and then we'll open the phone lines, giving you the opportunity to win Nathan Carter tickets live at the Marquee on Friday the fourteenth. If you'd like to purchase them, they'd make ideal Christmas presents for Nathan Carter fans. You can go to Ticketmaster.ie, but our lines are open at 1850-333-103. three three one zero three. We're with you until one o'clock live from Glow on the Grand Parade. <laughs> from George Michael and Wham and a Christmas song called Last Christmas. We're broadcasting live from our studio here on the Grand Parade for GLOW, a Cork Christmas celebration. We're going to take a very quick break and we're back chatting with the Lord Mayor of Cork City.
2: Cork Today on C103 Live from GLOW a Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade.
6: To celebrate all that is good about Cork and to focus on the future plans for our wonderful city, I'm delighted to say I'm joined in our Glow studio this morning by the current Lord Mayor of Cork, and that's Councillor Mick Finn. Good morning to you, Mick. Good morning. And uh, you're very welcome to our studio. Uh, Almost halfway through your year as as Lord Mayor, talk to me about the year. How has it been going and are you enjoying it?
8: Yeah, look, it's been a fantastic um, year to date. Uh, As you said, halfway through, um, it's been really, really busy. Um, you know I suppose I would have had some idea of the um, the depth and the extent of the work that the Lord Mayor has done you know courtesy of my involvement in the council for the last nine years but I think until I sat into the hot seat myself and uh, you know have to go through the daily routines you know I didn't realise fully uh, the extent of the role but it's been great Um, you know with the school visits you have certain things in the calendar that you build up to and the school visits you know you have your 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 Christmas, you know, and once you start coming over those, you're already halfway through the the year before you even know it. Uh, so it's, it's been a great experience. Was
6: it something you always aspired to be?
8: I'd say not really. Um, I suppose since I started in the council um, back in, in 2009, it was something that was in the back of my mind that you would like to do it sometime. I suppose, you know, it's it's an aspiration of many councillors. Mm. It's that, you know, it's the, the furthest you can go at local level um but it's not really something that it would have disparated even you know, since it was in school or anything like that but i do remember the lord mayor visit to the schools you know alongside the, the victorious cork teams w- when that was happening quite regularly in hurling and football down through the years um but i suppose you know I- in the second council when it became obvious that the the whole nature of the lord mayor position and the way it, it's voted in had changed uh, it became an option then so uh, i suppose uh, you know I- in the second council my second uh, i suppose iteration on cork city council it became an option early on, and it's something that I said, you know, would be great to have a, have a go at it.
6: But it's a busy, full-on year.
8: It is. I mean, most days are, you know, nine, ten-hour days, depending, you know, what time of the year it is. Um, even, you know, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, we'll be working, uh, visiting, you know, people who are working in the fire brigade, in the ambulance, in in the Gardee, we We'll be visiting the children's hospitals. We'll be vis- visiting Cork Prison. So it's full-on seven days a week. Um, but, I mean, it's really enjoyable and it has reinforced to me the importance of the position and how well it's respected by the people of Cork.
6: Now, while we're talking about the importance of the position, we know there's been much talk about a directly elected mayor uh, for Cork and it's in the news today.
8: Yes, um, my understanding is that the, the local government bill um, was discussed in the in the Shannon into the, into the late hours last evening um, and while the Cork elements of it, uh, to a large extent, have been agreed, uh, including the boundary extension and the lines on the map uh, and the plebiscite for a directly elected mayor, it has to come back again before the Doyle, because the Galway elements of the bill were voted on and were actually removed from the bill. So my understanding is that that comes back in the third week in January when the um, Doyle and the, the Senate, and the Oireachtas comes back after its Christmas break. So while the Cork element if it has been agreed in principle, it still has to be ratified by the Doyle. So the legislation still hasn't gone through which to me poses a problem in terms of the integrity of the Electoral Register. Um, the 15th of February is the date for the revised electoral register okay. and that's cu- cutting it really tight for both the city and the county council's franchise departments to marry the two systems together and to make sure that people are on, their, on the electoral register, that they know where they're voting, you know, which is obviously a fundamental aspect of local democracy.
6: Because there, there is going to be a, a period of time where it's going to be explained to people you were once voting in the county council, you're now voting in the city council. So And that is going to take time. to That is going to
8: take time, yes. And I mean, I think there are a number of households, um, you know, just on and around the the new boundary line um, that will will actually require door-to-door calls from the franchise departments because, you know, there are are lines on the map, um, but they're not exact, as in not everybody will know at this point whether they're in the city or the county, which is confusing. But you also have a situation where you had people on the fringes of the city in areas like Lehendamore, in Douglas and Frankfield and Grange that were county council previously, they're no city council, they'll have new um, voting booths and voting um And they'll, they'll be
6: voting for different, uh, for, uh, for people that uh, haven't represented them before, absolutely, different councillors.
8: Absolutely and I mean it, you know it's a big thing for councillors to have to uh, c- sitting councillors and indeed candidates for the election as well to have to plan for um, you know like in my own area here in South Central which includes where we are in the Grand Parade at the moment um, you know we expect about well, an extra 10,000 people coming into the, the ward which you know logistically that requires a lot of planning It's a big difference It's a big difference yeah. I mean you know d- d- South Central does gain an extra seat um, but it does really I- it almost doubles the size of the ward and you know I- in terms of councillors going forward sitting councillors going forward from the city and county councils and new candidates there's a lot of planning involved and as yet we still can't really kind of hit the ground running because this hasn't been secured in legislation. And are you
6: happy the way the the boundary the new boundary line has been drawn? Some are saying it was crudely done and you could have some areas where you'd have one street will be in the county council and the other street will be in the city council. And was there any way around that?
8: Well this was that was one of the features of the previous arrangement in that, you know, I remember um on one occasion going through uh, an estate in Grange where one half of the estate was in the city, one half was in the county and it was that's what we were trying to move away from. No matter where you you put the line on the map, there is always going to be a division and um, because that's you know the nature of it um, and I think you know there should have been a maybe a bit of fine tuning around some of the outer areas um you know we were talking about Tower, Blarney, ball and colleague where that line is drawn and um, and then I can understand that there you know some i i understand that some of the uh, that argument was made last night in the shannon um but look we we'll just have to, to see. again we're we're, we're still largely kind of shooting I- in the dark because this still isn't uh, confirmed The legislation. While mm-hmm. the lines of the map are, there's a bit of work around around the edges and I think people we need to try and avoid confusion but we still cannot do that until it's firmly in place.
6: Okay, but a decision to have a directly elected Mayor of Cork, well a plebiscite to decide that that will go ahead. Well, believe.
8: yeah, again, providing that it's ratified by the dial again in the third week of March, that was agreed um, in, in as part of the bill Um, again I I think it's a bit premature and I I wrote to the Minister last week seeking clarification as to what exactly will be proposed I mean if you ask people in the street here you know would you be in favour of a directly elected mayor or Lord Mayor I'm sure the answer would be yes but there are lots of other questions associated with that question whether it's going to be um, a Lord Mayor for the city is it going to be a mayor with um, executive powers with, with extra powers how will it impact on the current situation with the city manager um, you know will you have a, a mayor a lord mayor a city manager will you now have three people instead of two a um, you know, lot to be
6: sorted out a lot to be sorted out and I
8: mean you know I think that should have been clarified before we're ever we were thinking about having a directly elected um, mayor or lord mayor and I suppose a question that I posed a number of weeks ago was you know it's been looked at in, in uh, Cork well Galway we now it's off the table but you know the fact that it hasn't been looked at for Dublin Um, I was just wondering, you know, is it an experiment? And that's that's a fear that I have. Um, The the Minister wasn't able to confirm to me uh, what's been proposed. So we have a plebiscite being proposed. We're not sure what it's going to say. It's a bit like the Australian um, Republican debate a number of years ago when it was put to the people and they still weren't entirely sure what they were being asked.
6: Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's it's it all also smacks. me. It's a bit like when people voted on Brexit. Did they really know what they were voting on uh, at all? And if we're going to do it, we want to get it right and get and get it right first time. Okay, we are here, of course, uh, at our outside broadcast uh, unit here in the, on the Grand Parade for Glow, uh, which is a core Christmas celebration, and we want to, d- to talk about Christmas. So I want to talk to you about the Christmas of your childhood. What were your what were the Christmases of your your childhood like what, what, what are your fondest memories
8: yeah well I suppose look I'm, I'm very close to where we're broadcasting today I mean I went to school in Sullivan's Quay um, and I, l- I live kind of within five minutes walk from the Grand Parade and I suppose the city centre and the english market going into to buy the turkeys i can remember them hanging upside down with the blood trickling onto the ground oh. you know which <laughs> is a bit of a <laughs> um mixed memory but i, I did that's something that does stand out um and going in a, in there and in, in the weeks and days running up to christmas and you know buying all the the spiced beef and the the real true car traditions and also you know picking out the tree and the trial and the holly in the colke that's another standout memory um but, you know, then you have you have your own family traditions like visiting relatives on, on Christmas Day, which my father was, som- was something my father used to do quite regularly. Um, and it's something that I've continued in the 25 years since he passed away, um, calling around to aunts and uncles and just making sure that you see family members, you know, throughout the Christmas period. So they're the kind of real memories. And um, I suppose you have newer memories being created, you now with people up and down Barrack Street and um, the 12 pubs of Christmas and all the modern traditions. There were elements of those in place, I suppose, I- in the past, and they've been modernised a bit. Um, but I think you know a lot of what makes a Cork Christmas great is encapsulated in the city centre, um, and you know going and getting your shopping for family members, your Christmas presents, your your food products for the day and for the week um you know there was a time i suppose when you, you were getting provisions for three or four days when everywhere was closed whereas now that has changed again a bit um, St- and
6: it still doesn't stop people buying the huge amount of shopping no
8: yet. i mean you just you look, look around the some of the shops and you would see you know is the place you know, coming to a close or are we going is to the, is the world going to end next week but um you know i suppose people you know like to be prepared and in the event of any further storms that if they're locked in that they're uh, they have enough provisions for the the Christmas period. But do you
6: think ch- Christmas has changed much uh, over the years? H- you know, has it gone very commercial? Is there things from your childhood that you would miss, that you would wish was still there today? Are or, or yeah, is it, is yeah. It I suppose
8: then? it has changed. I mean, look, everything has changed. You know, in terms of a modern Cork City, lots of the old customs and traditions have changed, and people have moved on. And um, you know, there are some people that keep them going. And in the last number of weeks, you know, attended a number of carol concerts, a number of religious ceremonies. Um, that the churches have been doing for years and I mean that reinforces I suppose the the old traditions but then you have new traditions of younger people maybe who don't, uh, ha- hadn't the same exposure to those old traditions um, you know in, in and over the Christmas period you look at the Wren boys and all that that you know, used to be really popular um, so it has changed and I think that um, you know people would ask has it changed for the better, you know maybe not and I think it's important that we do hold on to our, our traditions and we do, you know, look after our city centre, which for me was a huge part of, of growing up in the city.
6: And the atmosphere in the in the city, there's something very special, I think, about Cork City at, at Christmas.
8: Yeah, there is. And I mean, you know, I, w- I was looking on social media in the last couple of days and seeing the old uh, lights from the 80s and 90s. And they used to kind of go well. across Patrick Street. We all, we're all all familiar with those. <laughs> yeah. And they w- they were spectacular when they came first. You know, and they I, got
6: moved to Fomoy after that. They they, they lit up Fomoy for a good few they years. They did,
8: and I was actually out in a in um, a place in 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 Blairs, actually out in um, in, in near Blarney, and they have some of the, the lights and the decorations on their tree that they have been <laughs> doing for thirty three years. Yeah, <laughs> you know, t- 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 it was great actually to see them have brought back the memories. But you know, I suppose again, you look at the lights in the city now have changed. Maybe you know are probably in need of an upgrade for next year. But I suppose each generation brings a change with them, and we have glow, as you know, which we're we're broadcasting from today, which is a, a new feature of, of the car Christmas and the Grand P- uh, the Bishop Lucy Park um, event, and you have the Ferris wheel, and you have the which has become a new part of a tradition over the last number of years. So I think each generation adds something to it, but I think it's also really important to remember the old traditions as well.
6: Would you be very conscious of the less well off?
8: Yeah, um, you know, look. I suppose it's something that I'm used to used to uh, confronting in my work and I, I know the great work that Katrina Toomey does um, and I'll be calling to her on Christmas Day and, I, you know, as I said, during the week on a number of occasions Christmas can be a very happy time for people but it can also be a really difficult time as well um, and I would have worked with a number of families down through the years that would find it a difficult time and they would have struggled through it but would have got through it with, with the help and support of the community and, with, you know, people are very generous in Cork uh, you look at the at the share crib, you look at the collections that are going around, you have lots of private individuals um collecting hampers, donating it to people that they know are in need of them. And I think Cork is fantastic for that. But it it I suppose you know there is there are issues for people. Um and then you have a housing issue, you have the homeless issue, and you have a poverty issue as well, and when people are paying huge money on rent and it's it's compromising their ability for food and of course this time of year for presents for children. But I think in fairness to a number of groups, Vincent de Paul um, Simon, Penny Dinners, they do a great job in trying to bridge that gap. Mm. Um, but I think it's, it's really important that people look out for you know vulnerable neighbours and vulnerable friends at this time of the year.
6: Yeah, and, and give what you can. I'm glad you mentioned the boys and girls of Share. Uh, They're another. Massive Cork. Was that something you remember
8: doing yourself? It was probably after my time. I mean, I can remember it for the last, certainly the last maybe 20 years since they started. And, um, you know, it is really a feature of Christmas in Cork. I said when you see the yellow vests and um, people are are approaching you to to support. And I mean, the support for share over the last number of years has been huge. Uh, And I know they don't like publicising figures of how much they raise because I think, you know, I might put pressure on the next year or whatever but they make substantial money for their organisation which as we know it's, it's, it's housing for elderly people in, yeah. in the city um, it's a fantastic charity and I m- met the lads from uh, Presentation and from St Angel's and from all the schools who call into City Hall just for the launch of it a number of weeks ago Um, and I said to them they are doing fantastic work for the city, but it's also great for themselves as well to, to be able it's to...
6: It's the one thing I always say about it, you know, I mean, you're instilling in children, young people of that age you know, to that there are people less well off than themselves and you would just you would hope, and I know what happens, they will carry that through into a- adulthood.
8: Yeah, I mean, and they do, I mean, I, one of my roles and one of the best r- parts of my, ro- of my year so far was visiting all the schools and I mean, I worked in schools myself for 10 years, but just to be able to see the young people and how much they're interested in charities, I mean, I had a coffee morning for Marymount and some of the schools uh, between them um, contributed nearly 2,000 euro, um, you know, from coffee mornings, from no uniform days, cake sales and stuff like that. So I think the next generation, you know sometimes they get a, l- a lot of flack. But they do a lot of great work and nowhere is that more exemplified in the in the share collection for, you know, that'll be finishing in the next couple of days. And it would urge people again to support it because you have young people, teenagers standing out in d- in these conditions. You had GLOW was cancelled um, last, last Saturday, Saturday but yeah. the share boys and girls were still out I collecting. I heard that. You I know. heard
6: that. They, they, they didn't give up their, d- their, their day. Yeah. So what would you say to people to, co- to come to the city and to to support all the businesses
8: yeah look i mean you know we all know that there are challenges um in the city and um you know your challenges with, with parking your challenges with access and, and 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 traffic but i mean what what's on offer in the city is unique uh, it has been for years it's been developing i think cork has been very busy in the last number of days a number of weeks but if people want a shopping experience and you know a dining experience and in cork city and they want that to continue they have to support the city and um, you know we know the retail in ireland and European-wise and internationally is challenged by um, internet shopping. Um, but I think, you know, if people really want the city to flourish, they have to support it. Yeah, uh, And, you know, just because it may be difficult to come in, you know, we don't urge people to use public transport. And again, I know there are problems, you know, watching uh, Facebook and social media in recent days, that there have been problems on certain routes with traffic. But, you know, we have to develop a, a, a public transport system that people will support, It'll take cars off the road. It'll improve the situation. But you have businesses in here which are the lifeblood of the city. They they create employment. They provide great services. Um, it's, it there's nowhere better in Ireland to go out for something to eat or something to drink. And, and not alone at Christmas time, but right throughout the year. And, you know we have the English Market. We have the Colcage. We have so much an offer in the city, and I would encourage people to come and visit, come and visit Glono for the next number of days. Which you know I think there's an extra day being planned for Sunday, Sunday because of the yeah. storm last week. Uh, the city centre has so much to offer. But people need to support it.
6: Okay. Have you been up on the Ferris wheel?
8: I have. I was. I was (laughs) on during the first (laughs) evening. Yes, and I saw spectacular views of the city. But thankfully, only went on two rotations, and it was down to (laughs) ground. I was back down to work fairly quickly.
6: (laughs) Listen, it was a real pleasure to have had you in uh, studio. Have a lovely. Christmas and uh, thanks a million uh, for joining us the Lord Mayor of uh, Cork City uh, Councillor McFlynn No Thank problem you, and happy
8: Christmas to you and to all your listeners and to everybody especially Cork Onions may returning to Cork for the Christmas period
6: Thank you for that uh, good morning to you we're broadcasting uh, live from Glow a Cork Christmas celebration
2: You're listening to Cork Today on replay phone and text lines are currently closed Cork Today on C103 Live from GLOW, a Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade.
6: And can I say hi to Jim Tobin from Doris who I believe is outside the window somewhere here of our studio here in Glow he travelled up from Doris this morning, there he is good morning to you Jim and uh, happy Christmas to you, Uh, good to see you here uh, today. Now remembering Christmas past and to talk about what Christmas means to them today I'm joined in our Glow studio by Catholic Bishop of Cork and Ross John Buckley and the Church of Ireland uh, Bishop of Cork Cloyne and Ross Paul uh, Colton Good morning to you both Uh, You're you're very uh, very welcome Bishop Buckley can I start with you, you were born in in Chigila, What was Christmas <laughs> like as a child? What uh, were your earliest memories? Well,
9: I, I, in Chigila, at that particular time, the, the, there were very little counter-attractions. We celebrated Christmas through sport, through participating in various events in the village. There, there was a s- certainly plenty of holly was displayed around the place. Um y- we didn't go to the city or anything like that to celebrate. We stayed at home, really. And uh, I live quite close to the Inchigila village. And there were various activities organized in the village during the Christmas period. Local little plays and little, little attractions like that. Yeah. But nothing like we have today, for example, as we see here around us in the city today.
6: <coughs> uh, but uh, and the food? <laughs> what do you remember like Christmas treats? Or was there? Or the
9: food was special? We had the special, yeah. you know, the, the 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 goose. We say we were the goose for the for the Christmas dinner. Uh, Roast and turkey. Mo- most enjoyable. The yeah. turkeys hadn't appeared at that stage, you know. Uh, w- uh, f- and fa- there were family gatherings in the course of the Christmas you know, the Rin and all the rest of it, you know, these activities were organised locally and people enjoyed them and participated in them. It was a very ordinary sport nothing c- exceptional during the Christmas yeah. period.
6: But still as a child it was still a magical time it's magical It was a magical time yeah. and they yeah. organised
9: various little events. For example every every Stephen's Day there was a road Bowling event in the area And we know but you I love uh, your road I'm Bowling. I'm yeah. expert in road Bowling yeah. and, and, and uh, you know a lot of people came along and there was a Exchange of uh, small body and so on, you know, but uh, it was very enjoyable and yeah. gave the people an opportunity of coming together and sharing little stories and so on.
6: And so, Stephen, so on. St. Stephen's day, yeah, you would look forward to that. Was we looked forward
9: to it. Was a, it was a great, it was, uh, it was uh, I- enjoyable, you know. And uh, many people participated in the local events, you know, and in rural ballroom there was a little game of football on the local community pitch for the young people of the area. You know, d- people didn't travel to the city at that time as they do they now. They stayed too. local. They stayed local, yeah, I suppose, yeah. and nothing wrong with that, you know. And the Ren boys, and their environment around in, collecting, you know, the, in the various houses, and they got a great reception. You know, it was uh, a great involvement by them and so on and the people were very generous in yeah. contributing towards the And there, are, there are
6: still Wren boys today you'll find them in still some of the rural areas you find them still in, in, the
9: yeah. co- in, in, in the country not so much now it's not very prevalent now in the city which is, the which is a pity which is a pity because it's a lovely lovely tradition It's a lovely costume uh, I know
6: yesterday we were already putting a call out for the Whelan area North Cork they were looking for some people to help out they have a group of Wren boys going out but they needed a few extra musicians and, and hopefully sh- they uh, yes. they got them um, Bishop Colton you would have grown up in, in Douglas
10: I did now, what were you, what are your Christmas memories as a child? well, funny, just listening to bishop Buckley they 're w- very different because my uh, only surviving grandparents in childhood lived in Dublin. Oh, so think. we actually traveled to the big smoke he, he <laughs> was
6: city slickers. Then.
10: and it was it, that was the great adventure and I have very vivid memories of dublin in the in the 1960s and and of my grandparents and i was the o- not only was I the only grandchild, I was the only nephew of two aunts as well. And so in in one way I found myself as a child in the middle of a very adult Christmas. Yeah. And but spoiled rotten. spoiled rotten. That's <laughs> the other thing. But getting into trouble for getting up too early in the morning. I remember an aunt saying, Oh, you were going down the stairs like an elephant to see Santa's <laughs> presents and that sort of thing. And of course she had come in late from church after midnight and she wanted to lie in. Yeah. Know, so I have all those memories o, o, of Dublin, and uh, it all centred around on the aunt who came home from England, the, my father and mother travelling. So we all went back, as it were, to the family home in Dublin. Yeah. So the r- the reuniting of family, and then
6: <coughs> and that still happens today. And
10: that still happens; it's unchanging, really. You know, and if people are are away, we think of those who are away. Um, my own son came home uh, from Dublin last night, the other son is coming home tomorrow. So all this sort of people on the move, and of course the first Christmas was like that, people on the move for the census uh, to Bethlehem. So it's been, it's sort of a dynamic of Christmas through the ages, you know, um, but going to a centre of a familiar place, in this case grandparents were the uniting factor and uh, just as as Bishop Buckley said there was special food and there was special visits and of course church was very much at the centre of it Um, and um, when we talk about special food of course in those days we only ate things that were in season. There was none of this business yeah. of carting food all around the world. Yeah. You know, yet alone things that we uh, that we see regularly now. We never saw things like kiwis and... Yeah. Uh, avocados. Uh, uh, avocados. Most of our people <laughs> put them on toast for breakfast <laughs> now with a poached egg. We just had the egg. And lucky to have it. <laughs> but I mean, in that sort of vein, you know, um, uh, mandarin oranges, for example, were so precious. They came in a box wrapped in tissues. <laughs> <laughs> you <know. laughs> now you walk into the supermarket with yes. about ten mm. varieties, and, and
6: you can get them mm. all year round. Yes. Which year I round always now. think there's something wrong there. They should only be mm. at the, at this time of year. Um, Bishop Buckley, has Christmas gone too commercial? Does well, that
9: sadden you? Oh, I... D- you know, we are down recently, Paul, we were very much aware of this. We see the participation by the share boys, for example, in collecting for Christmas. The crib here is one of one of the attractions here in Patrick Street, And I think they still understand and appreciate the central message of, Chris, of Christianity. You know, the barn the, the child that was born in a stable over two thousand years ago. He is still the center of the human race. And I think they do realize that deep down. No, there's nothing wrong with counter-attractions and entertainment and so on during the Christmas period, as long as they keep the essentials at the centre of the of the celebration. And I find that in churches and so on, it, and Paul will be very much aware of that, the people come flocking to the churches at this time of year. We see on Christmas Eve, for example, so it's almost impo- impossible to cater for the people. So I still think that they ha- have, re- deep down, they have an understanding of the, of the Christian but does message. That, does
6: that not annoy you, that they're not there for the other Sundays throughout the year? In well,
9: we in as Paul would also be aware, we would certainly like to see them f- worship during the year. But they still ha- retain an affiliation with the church. There is still this nostalgic attachment. And the draw to, to, to go back. And the draw to go back.
6: Paul, on, on that, does it annoy you to see a packed church at Christmas? and not during
10: year no i love it i love great. it i love i love looking there and seeing people who've come back from dubai and japan and mm-hmm. uh, and even people who are who are, who don't normally come during the year they're all welcome and it's great and you know i mean we ha- we're very conscious of this dynamic you know in the church of mm-hmm. ireland diocese for example about a quarter of the people in cork who claim to be church mm-hmm. of ireland throughout the city and county would be in church on an average mm-hmm. sunday about a quarter at christmas it's 87% at Christmas so it's actually yeah. a very exciting time to welcome people and you know they're coming I know it's tradition perhaps it's may, maybe some of them have been forced out by by mammies and things like that but it, they're all welcome and it's good that people are celebrating Christmas and, and,
6: and I think it shows that they still have a belief Still, no matter, yeah. no matter what they say or do, yes. the yes. fact that they, you yes. know, make that effort yes. at
9: Christmas. And as power we you know, our respective ministers, they make a special effort to welcome them and to accommodate them and to encourage them in every way. And hopefully, deep down, they may continue with that little celebration during the year in some way, in different ways. You know. So does that
6: put, put you guys under pressure then when you know you're, you're speaking to people who might only be in the church for, the f- for one time this year? sermons do you have to really think about sermons well
10: you do think about sermons but also the message doesn't change and the christmas story doesn't change and of course the focus of christmas is that story and that message and i suppose yes you're thinking about well you know how do i reach out to people who are maybe hearing this only rarely or hearing it some people maybe for the first time because don't forget sons and daughters bring home boyfriends and girlfriends and partners and one thing and another who maybe. Are from other places and they've m- never been to church or Christmas, you yeah, know. Yeah. So y- it's a very varied and diverse group. And yes, people are believing. Uh-huh. There, some are still believing in a very traditional way. Some are searching, and some are believing in a very broad sort of way.
6: Okay, we have. Uh, we're seeing a lot of homelessness, uh, uh, unfortunately, across the country and uh, in here in uh, in Cork. Uh, Bishop Buckley, have you any? S- either of you, any solutions? Starting with uh, you, Bishop Buckley, uh, homelessness. Uh, uh,
9: it's very sad indeed to see so many hopeless at this time I, I, you know, I feel there's no moral justification whatsoever for homelessness it's very sad that they cannot address it um, you know people are for example the solution may be a long term investment in social housing or so on you know but certainly it is causing immense problems here to p- families you know staying in hotels during the Christmas period so I think the government and all who are responsible in so many different ways should make a special effort to address this very serious problem. And I know great work has been doing, and power. would be aware of this, by people like Simon Community and others mm-hmm. in helping the, the homeless here, here, in the, here in the city and indeed throughout the country. We see the great work, for example, of Brother Kevin in Dublin, mm-hmm. and the welcome and the hospitality that he extends to the homeless in Dublin.
6: And our own, Paul, our own Katrina Toomey.
10: Absolutely. Many dinners is just y- incredible. Y- you know, these, these issues are accentuated at, at Christmas time, but Christmas isn't a deadline by which we can solve everything. It's a very, Ill- I agree with everything Bishop Buckley has said, and, you know, uh, homelessness is a very multifaceted uh, and con- con, um, complex issue, and that's not a reason to not to do something about it. In fact, we should. And I'm very, um, he mentioned Brother Kevin, but I was very persuaded the other night listening to Father Peter McVery. On the television who has huge experience in this area Mm -hmm. and his opinion is that the only uh, answer to this is in social housing and you know when i listen to somebody who has a lifelong experience um in in the area uh, of working with people who are homeless i'm persuaded by their opinions
6: yeah uh, and i've interviewed father peter mcferry on on so many occasions on this program i can't understand why that man isn't in charge I would actually have him as the minister for, I mean, okay, he can't be the minister, change the title, Mm -hmm. do whatever you want. Listen to that man. Mm -hmm. He is the person who knows what the solutions Mm -hmm. um, are. Okay, to both of you, how will you spend Christmas this year?
9: Well, uh, we of course, we have our own uh, different celebrations in our churches. Paul will be in his old cathedral. I'll be in my own cathedral here in the north of the city. And there may be occasion, I will return to Inchigila, of course, to my family in Inchigila for the Christmas dinner. So you will and go back to Inchigila? I will go back Gorgeous. to Inchigila, with love for It's something that's bred in our bones and entwined yeah. in our lives and uh, we will have Turkey this time <laughs> and, then and who's at home have you siblings uh, at home I have, have brothers and nephews and nieces Great. and all sorts of people Great. at home so there will be a little family gathering and then maybe in the evening if I'm back in time uh, I might drop into a hospital No, I won't talk about hospitals because my visit to a hospital one particular time during the past of years strained relations between myself and Paul well, t- <laughs> yes, <to> yes. <laughs> Paul <laughs> recount the story Paul. <laughs> well, uh, my, mother wi- my late
10: mother was in hospital and Bishop John got me into trouble for he visited her before I did. <laughs> <laughs>
6: oh, you see, Bishop John is great for visiting <laughs> the hospital. <laughs> yes, really really. I was actually only well, talking to somebody yesterday and I said that you were coming on the programme today and he made the point, oh, he's always in the
10: hospitals. He's great. He's a, he's a great man. Uh, Paul, how will you spend Christmas this year? Well, just as my grandparents' home was the gathering point in the past, mm. our home is now yeah. the gathering is point. Isn't there something special about that? that uh, and we, we have church, of course, and actually what Bishop John forgot to mention is that the last person each of us sees in our work On Christmas Day is each other because we go to the St. Vincent de Paul hostel to visit together and then we wish one another a happy Happy Christmas. He goes home, I go home and I eat the (laughs) spuds that he has given me for Christmas (laughs) and they've already (laughs) arrived.
6: (laughs) Do we ask where the spuds came (laughs) from? In Chiquita. In 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 Chiquita. Listen, a happy Christmas uh, to both of you. And Um, to you and your listeners, yeah. and uh, thank you so much for joining us uh, uh, this morning Catholic Bishop of Cork and Ross John Buckley and Church of Ireland Bishop of of Cork Cloyne uh, and Ross uh, Paul uh, Colton we're broadcasting live from Glow a Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade (laughs) today broadcasting live from glow on the grand parade
4: this is cork today cork today with patricia messenger on c103 3.
5: It's Christmas Yes, it's Christmas Thank God it's Christmas oh, one night
6: music from Queen and thank God it's uh, Christmas. Cork today we're broadcasting live from Glow and Cork City has never felt as festive as it does this year and joining me in our Glow studio to discuss why a visit to the city is a must this year is uh, Paul McGuirk who is Cork City Council City Centre Coordinator. Uh, Good morning to you Paul. That's your actual title, City Centre Coordinator. So, So that means what you run the whole of the city?
11: A lot lot of great people, a lot of great groups to help um, develop the City Centre, really.
6: Okay, firstly, talk to me about GLOW. Is it proving to be as big a success this year as it was in previous
11: years? Absolutely. We're experiencing huge numbers. Um, City Centre comes into its own, really, around Christmas with the lights and GLOW. Um, We've got a huge number of visitors to the markets, to the Bishop Lucy Experience and, of course, the Ferris Wheel.
6: Yeah, I was talking with both of the bishops earlier on, and we were just talking about it's the, the atmosphere, and uh, they were remembering Cork of their childhood, and the, the the whatever it is about Cork City, it always has an amazing atmosphere, but Abso- no other city seems to be able to replicate at Christmas.
11: Yeah, absolutely, right from the um, the switch on, we had 20,000 people um, with ourselves at the switch on event, which is huge, I suppose nostalgia people uh, w- remember bringing their uh, w- going with their own parents to the switch on and since then really we've had a great buzz and um, really from the lights near nearby here at Bishop Lucy Park um, Oliver Plunkett Street the lights there are amazing I suppose the hustle and bustle people really love that uh, experience at Christmas time here.
6: Okay you've mentioned Bishop Lucy Park for those that haven't seen it this year de- describe it for uh, for, for people.
11: Yeah, it's, um, I suppose it's like a night before Christmas. You would have to really experience it when there's been an extra budget spent there, a lot of props, a lot of characters. Um, it's really a magical experience. It's really seen through the eyes of a child, um, and you really see them in awe. There's lots of props, and you re- I suppose it's really... Um, it's a very visual it. one. Yeah, absolutely.
6: And how do you coordinate that, and who puts that all together Absolutely, that's
11: put together by uh, Triangle Productions. We have um, an events team inside uh, City Council, and they work with uh, we have a great production group from Triangle Productions. Uh, and they work with security and so on and so they've developed all the props and they've employed the artists and i suppose they, there's about six months in planning really in, in something like that to put it off for for the month of december
6: yeah that doesn't just go up overnight no no oh, okay so that that
11: is definitely worth a visit and then of course the ferris wheel the ferris wheel that's proven to be a big attraction every year has not it huge huge um, um every year the numbers get bigger and bigger um and this year was great because we're extending it on the sunday as well so f- both the Ferris wheel and the market will be open on the Sunday before Christmas, which is the 23rd. Um, but yeah, a huge, and I suppose, if, if people get to go up on it, um, you get a huge, um, viewpoint of the whole city that you don't normally get
6: have you been up many times
11: uh i've been up twice have uh, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't go if anybody has a fair heights don't worry it's not it doesn't go fast at all it's a great experience yeah
6: yeah uh, you actually would get over your fear of heights on it it isn't it isn't you know people kind no. of think oh fair be terrified it's, it's not no it's not a roller coaster yeah either. it's because <laughs> of the the slow speeds that it goes you, you 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 acclimatize so this is the last weekend mm-hmm. th- f- today tomorrow su- saturday, saturday and then sunday Because of last Saturday closing, the Ferris Wheel and the markets will remain open. But Bishop Lucy Park Park, will be
11: open uh, today, uh, uh, Friday and Saturday. Saturday is your last chance. For the the park itself and the other attractions will be open Sunday as well.
6: Okay, Now getting to and from the city, that can be often fraught, especially at this uh, time of year. But you've some uh, initiatives. To help people out. So let, let's talk through some of those. I mean, park and ride is, is the obvious first one. Try to encourage people to do that.
11: Absolutely. We work very closely with Bus Air into this time of the year. Um, so there's a number of options for people. So the park and ride, the Black Ash Park and Ride is extended. So um, it's open on Sundays as well for the Christmas period. It's also open till 10 o'clock at night and some nights of the week. And it starts at seven in the morning as well if you really want to get in early for that Christmas <laughs> shopping. Um, there's also an extended, and it's only five or for a family, five or for a car to come in, and you can stay as long as you want. Um, we also have an additional temporary parking ride um, at County Hall. and um, That runs for weekends as well. Um, and also what I would recommend to people as well, um, there's a commu- um, the commuter train from anyone coming from East Cork, if you park in Little Island or Glengallan Train Station, it's free parking there, and there's regular train service in and out of the city as well. There,
6: yeah, try to uh, tr- to try to get people to use public transport. Yes, yeah. well, I,
11: I suppose particularly this. Time, obviously, we have, if people uh, need to park or need to drive in, there's eight multi-storey car parks, um, and again, all that information is on corkparking.ie. And there is the
6: some free parking for especially at evening time,
11: isn't absolutely. There? Yeah. Um, and we have a special initiative this year in, in conjunction with the Cork Business Association and the Cork Chamber. Uh, we have um, free parking if you enter after five o'clock in North Main Street and Paul Street car parks on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday evening. So it's free parking for the evening. Uh, Paul Street car park is open until midnight and North Main Street is open till half past nine.
6: And the parking rides, are they all busy? Are they all proving to, yeah, absolutely. to be a great success? With you?
11: Particularly the, par- the uh, Black Ash parking ride because since August it uh, comes in right into the heart of the city, comes into Patrick Street. There's a number of additional stops. so. If you you're not lugging bags far uh, far away, you can just um, come straight into the into the heart of the city, and it's very popular.
6: And then talking of lugging bags, you've done a, a new service this week. The, this year, the shop and drop.
11: Yep, uh, we've linked up uh, with through the city centre forum. We've linked up with uh, Breakthrough Cancer Research, um, the charity. Um, so we, uh, there's a, a, a facility a unit on um, Cook Street, which used to be Dual Specsavers, if people remember it. It's just around the corner from Pastoral Street, from Tiger, there on Pennies. Um, and Pennies have, c- have kindly given us the, the, that um, facility for uh, the few weeks. So Breakthrough Cancer run, basically um, a bag mining service. So I- you can leave your bags there. It's open from 11 to 7, um, Monday to Saturday and uh, 12 to 5 on Sundays. So you can leave your bags, go visit Glow, go get something to eat and come back and pick up your bags and maybe hop in the parking ride or go into that's car. Fantastic. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's
6: great because that's the one thing that puts people off, uh, public transport or the parking ride. Oh, I'll have all the bags with me. Absolutely. So this is... Yeah, this and is
11: I- it's proven very popular and thanks to Breakthrough Cancer and obviously it's it's free but it's a donation as well yeah. to Breakthrough yeah. Cancer yeah. so helping charity and you're uh, leaving yourself your bag yeah and
6: they're and they are a great charity now there has been a huge increase uh, in online shopping but paul there's nothing like a visit to the city
11: no there's not um and i suppose there's nothing like a real bricks and mortar feeling the clothing or whatever else as well i mean in cork we have a great mix in the city center we have 70 percent of the businesses are independent businesses and but we also have the department stores and their chains as well so we've got that mix and so uh, online is here and it's here to stay, we know, and uh, and it's some of the, uh, some of our businesses here are really embracing that as well. They have click and collect systems as well, but there's nothing like supporting, uh, I suppose if you do buy in a, in a bricks and mortar shop, you are supporting local business and local jobs.
6: Yeah, and we all have to remember uh, how important it is to, to shop local because money spent locally stays in the local economy. It benefits all of us.
11: Absolutely, and I suppose credit to 96 and 103 with your campaign, your shop local campaign is, is great and we appreciate that kind of effort as well. But yeah, it all supports. I mean, suppose if people buy in, in a shop, in your local independent shop, wherever that may be, you are supporting local the local economy.
6: And while, as you say, online is here and it is, it is here to stay, but then you get people will bemoan the fact because their local corner shop has closed down uh, and, uh, and they wonder why. I mean, the online, well, it'll always be there. It won't give you your bottle, your pint of milk at 10 o'clock on a no oh, no no on on
11: night. no ab- absolutely and look uh, uh, we p- there's convenience in, in um in p- and online as well but also you're getting the extra customer service if you're buying a shop you know you know the person that you're buying from and uh, you know the, that extra personal touch as well yeah
6: yeah and the money all stays locally and and, and okay <laughs> so what's your plans for christmas are you staying uh, locally or
11: s- stay locally um with my feet up um and my mother's coming to us this christmas and i I have three teenagers as well, so oh, okay. um, yeah. So we relax and take it easy. Do you, you cook know? on Christmas yourself? Um, my wife cooks. That's the <laughs> cooking. I I wouldn't trust there uh, would be visiting the hospital if I was doing the cooking. a <laughs> answer. Well. <laughs> but you're there to help out. Absolutely,
6: okay. absolutely. Listen, uh, Paul, it's a pleasure to have you in the studio. Thank you for that, and enjoy Christmas. Thank Happy you. Christmas to you. Uh, that is uh, Paul McGurk, who is the city centre coordinator. We're broadcasting live from uh, Glow on the Grand Parade.
4: C103 Jobs. <laughs>
6: Uh, The West Cork Breakers are looking for an office worker experience essential with bookkeeping, while Burnford National School, they are looking for a school cleaner to work approximately 14 hours a week. That's after school hours. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103.
2: Cork Today on C103. Live from Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade.
6: And while we have been discussing the fact that Glow is a Cork Christmas celebration, part of that celebration are the wonderful delights that are available at the food market on the Grand Parade. And I'm delighted to say that I am joined in our Glow studio by some of the food producers. And who doesn't love a pizza? And serving wonderful pizzas at Glow this year is Volcano Pizza. And joining me is Ben Harvey. Good morning to you, Ben. Morning. And you, you are very welcome. Now, you and your pizza ovens can be found at most of the farmers' markets around Cork. Tell me a little bit about the company and how it all came about.
7: Well, we uh, set up about eight or nine years ago. Simon and Colette um, set it up, and I bought into it about two years ago. Um, Simon, at the time, was unemployed and looking for something to do, and he came up with a brainwave of pizzas, and uh, there was a gap, and um, the markets were taking off at that time, and um, we got into them, and it's it's, it's grown from there, really, and um, yeah, that's, is, that's it tru- is it
6: true, Simon actually went to Italy to find out... He did. If you want to find out how a real pizza is made, where do you go? You go to Italy.
7: You go to Italy, of course, uh, and New York, or lots of places in America as well. They do great pizzas out there. There's lots of different types of pizza. Our pizza is a, is a cross between a, a Neapolitan and a Roma pizza, so it's... Um, it's quite thin with a nice crust uh, but quite fluffy as well so it's um yeah yeah what makes
6: for the perfect what is the perfect pizza base now and uh, i'm not expecting to give away your secrets but what's the perfect? well no pizza obviously bit? obviously
7: people like different different things um but for us like it, like i say it's, it's a mixture so it'll be the thin base a nice crunch in the crust but it'll also have a kind of sourdoughy in the crust so it'll be nice and fluffy when you open it but it will crunch when you bite it um, and then obviously good toppings, good quality toppings, baked the pizza, uh, that's, that's the, the second key ingredient really.
6: And where do you go for your good quality ingredients?
7: All around Cork, like obviously we're in the market so um, we get all our uh, our produce from there, we get our, our meats from Gabin and uh, Martin Conroy um, and we get uh, from the Real Olive Company we get Toonsbridge mozzarella and all their, all, the, all their products and all the guys who grow their own veg and uh, we get it from them.
6: So. Well done, well done. What yeah. are the most popular toppings?
7: Well, the, ma- the, the most popular is a pepperoni and a margarita, which I have here for you, if you okay, ever. Okay, do you want to open it up later? because I
6: know the, the boys are mad in for. It do the, um, uh, Ken, who is on on sound, Ken is always our our feeder. So Ken, that's I like to feed him
7: half pepperoni made by Gubby and then half Tombridge mozzarella. Just okay, a so the mozzarella.
6: You see, I'm the vegetarian of the brigade, so I can have the. You can have the margarita. I can there. have the, I can have the margarita. Yeah. Okay, all right. So, you're going for okay. So t- so so the, the you're saying the cheese is all local.
7: Yeah, the cheese is all local, and uh, yeah, we prepare it all ourselves in in our uh, in our warehouse in Shanagarry, and uh, we make the dough ourselves and the sauce ourselves. The sauce isn't traditional; like we we come up with the sauce ourselves, so it's slightly different. It's slightly sweeter. Oh. We reduce all the onions and um, Colette and Orla back there do all do all that prep work.
6: The sauce is gorgeous. Yeah, do you sell the sauce separately? We do. You c- you oh. can
7: buy the dough and the sauce separately on the on the markets. Like you can get a We call it a dough kit, so you can get two doughs and a sauce, and good for Christmas leftovers and. Uh,
6: but well, if somebody buys a dough kit, so it's a ball of dough,
7: yep. do you have to throw it up in the air and do all that? Y- you can. <laughs> we have a video online which you can follow. But really, it's it's <laughs> it's not that difficult. Plenty of flour, and like um just whack it out, take it out of the fridge so it's nice at room temperature, so it'll stretch easily, and um and away you go. It's not that hard.
6: But the key, I think, to your particular pizzas are the fact of the way you bake them. It's the wood fired oven.
7: Yeah, it's cooked at a very in a very quick time at a very high temperature, about between four and five hundred degrees, and uh, and how quick. About a minute and a half, ideally. Well, um,
6: Craig, would you like some pizza? Oh, I'm okay, thanks. Are you sure? <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> can I have some Craig, of your donuts, though? Craig, oh, by, by the way, is our, do- is our donut <laughs> man, who <laughs> I'm going to introduce to you in a moment. This is why we're all eating pizza, and I'm looking at him. But he's got more of a sweet
7: tooth than... Um, well, I have a sweet tooth.
6: Th- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're talking about the, the, the wood-fired oven. Okay, uh, how your g- pardon. How quick s- we'll get to the donuts okay. in a minute. How quick, how quick can you cook them?
7: Yeah, I mean, uh, well at home, like, so you would... Um, th- that obviously, your ovens will go up to about 250, 280, and they'll take about probably three or four minutes, maybe five. All ovens vary, obviously. Um, but yeah, ours will be done in like a minute and a half. But we're cooking outside a lot, and we, n- we don't have the luxury of being in a building where everything's um, contained, Like, so the, the weather conditions will affect it. if there's wind and all sorts getting in the oven, and it, it varies, but we try to keep it at a constant of a minute and a half. That would be the perfect aim. Is really. that
6: difficult to bring an oven, to bring a wood fired oven with you wherever you go? It is. You see me walking.
7: <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's a. Uh, yeah, no, it's hard work. You know, we put a lot of it. All of us do. You know, we put a lot of effort into, into packing things up and putting it putting on the you know, putting it all onto the van and taking it wherever we go. Um, it's you know, It takes a good couple of hours before, and we have to light the oven a good two or three hours before. To get the, get the wood burning. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, yeah. But, yeah, no, it's all good fun. So that's and all you're not going to
6: tell me now you go out into the woods and chop down your own firewood or anything? No, do we don't. No. Uh, we do get our woods. It would be nice if you did. That would be nice in l- yeah, the
7: story. Yeah, locally to a degree. But, um, uh, no, that's that's a slightly harder thing to achieve. Okay, but you never know. <laughs> could <be laughs> that could be
6: next. The boys and the pizzas, what do you think?
7: Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. I'm a pizza lover anyway. I'd I put
2: anything on a pizza. Um, I love what you just said, actually. It's the it's the, the crispiness of the underneath
7: and then not overly cooked at the top. I have a quick question for you, though. Is yeah. do you know, when you are cooked your pizza at home. Should it be the hotter in the oven, the better the pizza? Yeah, yeah Absolutely. Like, well, for our pizzas, I mean, all, like again, it's, it's supermarket pizzas, they'll all vary, which I think that's because they've got all the added preservatives into it and all the things that they put into it but ours is you know just water um flour and yeast and we just yet yeah, whack it on as hot as it goes and it'll be done very quickly it'll just puff up and you know you're ready to go and the time-honored question pineapple on a pizza yes or no? absolutely yeah oh me, too, me too <laughs> <laughs> absolutely I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah there's no rules on toppings you know as long as it's good produce for me then that's all And that what's that is the weirdest me. thing you've ever been asked for putting a pizza oh god uh the weirdest thing I don't know, but like p- people raise their eyebrows when we put black pudding on and goat cheese and things, but like that, those sort of things really work. There's, there's combinations everywhere. I wouldn't say there's any any weird one, you know. If you want it, well, you know, have it. What not. about dessert pizzas? Yeah, they were a thing. Well, the, the chocolate here, thinky <laughs> donuts, <laughs> sprinkle <laughs> a bit of that on, <laughs> bit of banana on top. It works.
6: <laughs> I'm eating away. I'm finishing my pizza slice. <clears throat> and by the way, I've been dripping. Um, the tomato sauce mm-hmm. so I, I wiped it into the, <laughs> into, the <laughs> into the tablecloth just to <laughs> warn whoever's coming in after me <laughs> that's absolutely delicious I love goat's cheese by the way on pizza I think goat's cheese works really well we'll have that later oh I think goat's, 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 cheese I later. goat's cheese works really well stay there because I want to go now from the savoury into the, uh, the sweet because you've never had a donut until you've had a dinky donut uh, and uh, well that's what our website says so Craig Smith is with Dinky Donuts and he joins me in uh, in our studio uh, good morning to you I'm, getting fe- I'm going to be fed donuts now Is the next <coughs> one okay uh, Craig good morning um, what makes for the perfect donut?
12: Um, I think our donuts just they're fresh they're made fresh in front of you every time so anybody who comes up to the stall to order they can see them literally cooking in front of them as they go along so uh, hotter the better eating as soon as possible that is the way to eat them
6: and how do you come up with the different toppings? I know you've got one here where you've just smarmed them in chocolates, but how do you come up with different toppings?
12: Well, it comes a lot from the customers coming up looking for certain things that I've never heard of sometimes. And uh, <laughs> If enough people come up and ask for it, it generally gets added to the menu. Yeah. Um, so we started off with only two or three toppings, um, and now I think we have nine, ten, eleven toppings. So sort of grown with You see, us. I
6: mean, the one I'm eating just has the, the, the sprinkling of sugar. Ken, I think the sprinkling of sugar is just gorgeous
2: on know. We're, we're in a time where there was a donut revolution, I think, in Ireland about two years ago. So we're all very well educated. I'm the same. Cream, jam, sugar. Yeah. That's the best.
6: Yeah, And, and but, Ken, Ken is right, Greg, there has been a donut revolution, hasn't
12: there? There has. Uh, we started back in 2014 when there was nobody again. Like Volcano, there was nobody doing, I suppose. There was a gap in the market and uh, we jumped into it. And since then, there's been a lot, I suppose, come and go. And um, we just do the food festivals and markets and pretty much we're the only ones doing it uh, at the moment so uh, but the donors are going to continue I think around the country now Dublin's very busy with them is it yeah and uh, Cork is slowing down a slu- small bit on the high streets but
6: and what I like about your uh, particular donuts is the size of them. Is it, is it all the mini ones that you do?
12: Yeah, just one size. So you get about eight or nine in a, yeah. in a tray. So,
6: so I mean that you can either eat them all yourself if you want or they for sharing. Which exactly.
12: Is you can take as many forks with you. So uh, a lot of families like to take them if they have small kids. They're not going to eat a full tray between them. So it's great for eating and sharing on the move.
6: Especially. Yeah. Ken, would you eat a full tray? yeah no <laughs> problem <laughs> 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 and do you travel around uh craig to many of the festivals and but
12: yeah we do we do but mas- mostly we do uh food festivals across the country so we go from dingle food festival all the way up to Donegal food festival and everything in between so um especially in the summer months we're away
7: most weekends somewhere
6: and would your paths cross b- ben and would volcano pizza be or dinky pizza donuts definitely
7: are? at these events yeah that like we're, we're often in the same sort of places around the city um yeah, and then the food festivals, yeah, we'd all we'd all turn up there.
6: And the farmers' markets, how are they going?
7: They're brilliant. You know, they're they're very popular. There's a, a real diverse crowd that go there. Um, they've grown and grow, and they're, they're very consistent. And you know, it's great if you've got a family. It's great if you're just a, a couple, or if you're working, you can pop out for your lunch. You know, you can do your shopping there. It's um, it's always a nice environment. Music. It's just. They're happy places to be, really, mm. so we're, we're very lucky to be in those places.
6: And, Craig, do you do the, many of the farmers' markets? I don't because no. a lot of the time
12: it's their mornings, um, Sunday mornings, Saturday mornings, and uh, it's a bit early for donuts, I found. Oh, is it? <laughs> yeah, I used to do a couple of them, but uh, we stick to the fe- festivals. Children is our main market. and um, children are usually at the festivals food festivals weekend events mostly
6: yeah and then outside of festivals how do you what, do you, what else do you do we then? do
12: a lot of corporate events okay um, you know Christmas now we're quite busy with corporate events people up to people's offices and so on uh, birthday parties weddings all that sort of thing so kept going midweek as well most
6: okay days, yeah. alright so and how has Glow been going Um, for
12: you great great it's been good to us now for the last couple of years um, when the weather's good it's very good yeah. and um, so yeah overall it's a great great event for us yeah
6: and good to see that it's o- it there it's going to be here again on Sunday to make up for you were closed last Saturday, which is unfortunate. Yeah,
12: yeah. So the uh, council kind of gave us Sunday now, so you yep, play a bit of catch up, an
6: extra day, yeah, an extra day. And uh, the pizzas, um, Ben, are they flying out uh, here at Glow?
7: Yep, they're always very popular. Um, again, you know, it's a, a food that everyone can eat together and share. It's a, it's that it's got that thing going for it, and um, yeah, no, it's very popular. Obviously, families here they they like them, and the guys working <laughs> in the city they can come out and have one. So yeah, no, th- it's it's always very good here. And you
6: can have the pizza first, and then finish it off with a... yeah, and a coffee from Casey. There you go, we,
7: we, or a we hot we chocolate. We maybe. have you
6: all, we have you, yeah. uh, we've every angle uh, covered. I reckon. I noticed by the accent, Ben, you're not local. Are uh, where are you from?
7: Well, I've lived here about six years, but I was in Bristol before this. Bristol. So, yeah.
6: so when you where's home for Christmas? Then are you going to stay here? Or are you? I am.
7: I'm going to be here. My family are here. So um, yeah, we'll be here, and, uh, and my kids and everyone around. So it'll be it'll be nice and. Festive. So Christmas it's,
6: it's very, very different here to what it was in Bristol?
7: No. no. You know, no. It's uh it's no, it's a it's a great time any anywhere you are really. I think as long as you you're going to put the effort into it, then I think it's a it's a great experience yeah. for everyone really. So no, it's and once you're a
6: surrounded by families and that what? Yeah,
7: and everyone's so sociable here. That's the difference I'd say. Like <laughs> that's the big difference, and it's great, you know. So it's a, that makes everything a lot nicer.
6: Okay, and Greg, where's Christmas for you this year? Uh,
12: castle outside Castle Marter, just a small bit outside Castle Marter's home. Okay. So um, that's where we'll be going.
6: Any donuts in the menu? No definitely, <laughs> no, definitely not. Listen, we'll let you get back because I know both of all your stalls are opening at uh, 12 o'clock, but we really appreciate you uh, joining us at our studios here in Globe. Ben Harvey of Volcano Pizza and uh, Greg Smith of Dinky Donuts. Thank you both. Thank you.
2: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Live from GLOW, a Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade.
6: Now, Christmas wouldn't be Christmas without chocolate. And there's nothing like real handmade chocolate. So joining me to discuss uh, their product, uh, Casey O'Connell of O'Connell Chocolate. Uh, Good morning to you, Casey. Good morning. And uh, you're very welcome. Now, background a little bit. Talk to me about how long your company is up and running and and how it all came about.
13: Um, It's been running about 40 years. So I'm the second generation. And um, it started basically as a, a bakery in Carrigaline on the main street. And um, my parents had a kind of a, a continental influence. My father, uh, my grandfather was the manager of Thompson's Bakery. He came over from Germany in the 1960s to manage uh, Thompson's. And um, they basically uh, took a lot of recipes from Germany. And the tradition in Germany is that um, the, uh, the bakers will make chocolate at Easter and Christmas. Okay. So they started doing that. And the chocolate became more and more popular as a supplement to the cakes that they were doing. Every day, and um, my dad, I think, kind of realized that you don't have to get up at four in the morning to make chocolate. And <laughs> <laughs> yes, um,
6: as he'd watched his own dad do,
13: yeah, well, yeah. yeah and um, he, uh, you know, chocolate's a lovely thing to work with, um, you have a longer shelf life, you can, it's, it's much more so. They, they gradually developed the business to be able to switch over fully to chocolate and to leave the bakery.
6: Take me back to your granddad coming over from Germany in the 1960s. How did, th- wh- what, how did that come about?
13: Well, he, he was by, uh, by profession a, a confectioner yeah. and I think he was... Um, he Thompson's at the time up on McCartan Street was a huge bakery and a huge business and they were looking for a production manager so he came over in the 1960s to be the production manager in Thompson's. Uh, my <coughs> mother was uh, born in Germany and um, she came over and met my dad then. Uh, they went to UCC. And, um, that's where the, the story started. So,
6: but Grandad Granddad set down roots in Cork and never yeah. went. I ba- never went back. No, no, no. He's
13: yeah. uh he's in um he's a, he actually uh, he died a few years ago. He's in Carlinglane. Uh, he spent the last few years in Carlinglane.
6: Wow, Kargilene. wow. And, yeah. it, and you, it, you obviously still have family then in Germany. You still have relatives.
13: Yeah, yeah. I mean. Uh, you know the kind of the, the the family links are kind of getting more and more kind of disparate now as as, as we go on but um yeah i would still have second cousins and things yeah yeah,
6: yeah. yeah so uh, so you you've you're carrying on the tradition then was it uh, something so, was yeah. it something that you always said you would do did you fight against it was it something you wanted to do
13: um i, I suppose uh, you know we kind of came to uh, you know you growing up you're always involved in the family business and you kind of um you always kind of muck in when 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 you can and uh it, it, the the business was there and um i I kind of got involved in the far- farmers' markets very early on and um, tried to sell our chocolate at the farmers' markets which we still do today and uh, then my parents retired a few years ago so we took over the myself and my wife took over the production um, we took over the factory and and we have the two shops in cork as well so
6: and has it changed much the actual production of chocolate or is it is it still the very same way that, that your dad did it.
13: Yeah, it's a very it's a very traditional industry. The, the technology has come on a lot, so the okay. machinery is a lot easier to use now than it was uh, 20, 30 years ago. It was a lot more, uh, it was all analog machines and it was uh, a lot more intuition, actually. You had to have an, an awful lot more skill 20 years ago, okay. a lot more knowledge. Um, you got to the point where you could actually, when the paddle is moving through a vat of chocolate, you could actually tell by the, the wave that it created whether the chocolate was ready or not. Now there's a, Little processor will do all that for you. The
6: the way you describe a vat of chocolate, that just The smell from that must be just glorious. Um,
13: I I, I actually I don't smell it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. People (laughs) walk into the factory and the first thing they do is smell chocolate, and I'm just absolutely used to it. I I just I think it's I don't I don't smell it anymore. Um, um, uh, People are because you're working with by I suppose by everyday standards really large quantities of chocolate. Um, you know we'd have probably six or seven tons in stock at any time um, that's a vast amount of chocolate to your average person who is kind of scaling it up from a chocolate bar in the industry it's It's a very small business you know mm. I was in a I was in a warehouse in Belgium during the summer and it had nine thousand tons of chocolate so
6: mind boggling
13: yeah it was mind boggling for me yeah. actually.
6: Okay, you, you, you are a lot more than bars of delicious ch- chocolate. Talk me through your, your range of products.
13: Um, well, we, we, we kind of, um, we, we, we specialise in bars of chocolate and different varieties of uh, dark chocolate. We, we blend it to get the different, uh, the different percentages. So we have everything from a sweet dark chocolate up to a, an unsweetened dark chocolate. I'm
6: sorry, those unsweetened dark chocolates yeah, are hard to...
13: They, they are, but you actually, people do develop taste
2: for them.
6: Ken is here, uh, and I know you've got a sweet tooth. Can you do the dark, dark chocolate?
2: No, no, no. I'd be more of a milk chocolate by myself, yeah. Yeah. Uh, It's always the last one to be eaten in the box of milk tray, but it always gets eaten. Yeah, yeah.
6: (laughs) And they say it's better for you. Um, well, I, w- I don't know whether that's an urban myth
13: I I, I, I would I would phrase it as less harmful that you know, <laughs> let's let's put it that way I think I, think, I think it's fa- it's, fa- it's fairly disingenuous to suggest that chocolate is good for you yeah, to be honest yeah. it, it should be treated it should be seen as a treat and it should be you know, something and that everything in moderation, exactly, isn't is about? Exactly. Okay,
6: so you do chocolate. What else do you do?
13: Uh, we, we, we do hot chocolate as well. We, um, we, we're fairly well known for our hot chocolate. There's a lot of chocolate companies in the, in the country who make bars of chocolate, so it's very difficult to differentiate yourself there. But for hot chocolate, we would have a very good reputation. Okay. Um, especially in Cork. You know, so.
6: And you've got, you mentioned the two shops.
13: Yeah, yeah we, have, um, we have a cafe over on uh, French Star Street and a little bakery over on Princess Street where we make our brownies and our pastries. We're very self-sufficient business. We try and do everything. Um, we try and we try and do as much as possible in a traditional way. So we basically have a pastry chef in there who's using our chocolate to bake cakes that are then brought over to the cafe and sold and eaten with a hot chocolate. You know, so it's, okay. uh, it's a it's very it's a very kind of basic traditional business.
6: And then, as you mentioned, you do the, you unity the farmers' markets as
13: yeah. well. Yeah, we do. Um, we do uh, Middleton. We do Middleton since almost since the start, and uh, we do uh, Black Rock Village Market on a Sunday, which is a has actually been become a really fantastic market since they did up the uh the, the the pier down there and um we do mahan on a thursday as well
6: The far i was talking today to the two other lads with the donuts and the pizzas mm-hmm. um a little while ago and they were talking about the farmers markets as well yeah they really have been a massive success story in the last few years haven't they
13: i, I would say not only a massive success story it's it's, it's um it's it's great for a food business you have an idea and the the biggest problem you have then is to actually make that idea become a reality. And um, if you're talking about, uh, we're, we're fortunate enough that we were far enough down the road we were able to sign leases, we were able to rent buildings. Um, it, it's a huge amount of work to get to that stage. And the farmer's market is a real kind of a leg up at the start. It gets you talking directly to your public, it, very importantly and most importantly, it, you can tell straight away whether the public like your product or not, because you'll get very, very honest and so very, you're doing very fast mark, feedback. you market
6: research absolutely. every time you're yeah. out? Yeah, absolutely.
13: Yeah and um, we've we've abandoned a lot of different products in a lot of different sort of directions because of what we've heard at farmers' markets you know and um, it, it is instant feedback it is from people who generally would have a, a an interest in food and um, it, they've been wonderful for us they've been absolutely you know vital for us and uh, we still treat them we always treated them as a very serious part of the business mm. and uh, tried to do it as professionally and as properly as we can uh, like we do with the rest of our business and um they they still to this day are a huge factor in our business. Yeah. And as you
6: say that particularly the artists and the small artists and food producers, it's giving them a start.
13: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. There's so many successful businesses have grown from farmers'
6: markets. So yeah, and, uh, and long may continue Absolutely, and, yeah. And they've captured the imagination of the public they because have. people yeah. love to go to the farmers' market.
13: They do. I mean BlackRock is a is a real case in point. Um, a, on a fine, on a fine kind of autumn day in Black Rock, it's just a beautiful place to be. You're, you're down there, and you know you can you can have a have a, a coffee from the cafe or from ourselves or hot chocolate, and um, you you get something to eat. You're in a lovely place. It's very kind of convivial. It's very relaxed. You bring your dog for a walk, and it's it's just it's a nice way to spend a Sunday morning, you know. And uh,
6: uh, and the people turn up in huge numbers. It's massive. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and long, long may that yeah. continue. Yeah, exactly. it's yeah. Uh,
13: it's 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 been really successful. Most most of the markets who've most of the markets that are trading now have been trading for a few years, and um, they've got the formula right. So, uh, yeah.
6: I mean, there would have been during the downturn of the economy, there would have been, you know, it, yeah. was, it, was, a di- it was, was a tough time for, for, for everyone. It was. And I think for farmers' markets in, in particular. Yeah. But they made it, they came through that storm.
13: Well, I mean, farmers' markets are subject to the same commercial pressures as anything else. If there's, a, if there's a perception, and there is a perception which we have to try and address, that farmers' markets are elitist, they're for foodies, and that they're, they're very expensive, um, then people will shy away from them, especially when times are tight. You know. Yeah. Um, but um, I mean, I think the value of the farmers' market is very, very good, considering that you know it's very, it's a handmade product. Uh, most of the products are handmade. There's more effort goes into them. Um, but uh, yeah, I think definitely at the moment, yeah, things things seem to be looking very good for the markets yeah after after what was a few difficult few yeah, years you know yeah
6: well done well well done okay chocolate and christmas and all that is this the busiest time it of is. The year? Yeah, it are is yeah are you are yeah. you flat out
13: yeah 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 we're we're in uh, serious sleep deprivation mode at the moment yeah. uh, which is, is to be expected in our business you know um it's 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 certainly for us and i think uh for if i could refer to ourselves as one of the high as a kind of high-end chocolate maker absolutely Um, you can say
6: that because it is very true
13: um i think christmas has really taken over from easter because easter has become uh for in our experience anyway easter has kind of uh, become um more kind of mass market yeah and uh, i think you know um there's big companies out there who can basically make a lot more product than we can. But uh, Christmas people are still looking for something very special and I think uh, they want something that's handmade, they want something that's familiar. We get a huge amount of uh, business from people returning uh, who have emigrated and they might have had a hot chocolate when they're in college or when they're in school and they want to come back in and just have that experience again. Isn't that lovely? Yeah, it's
6: beautiful. Yeah, Yeah, that really is lovely. And outside of the markets and your shops, where else do you?
13: We do a, a limited amount of wholesale around the country. Okay. Uh, we're not, um, given our capacity and the size of the business, we're not in a position to uh, go central listed with any supermarkets, and okay. we don't really have ambitions in that direction at all. We're, we we deal with kind of independent delicatessens and uh, places that are happy to sell our product, really. Yeah. And right. we have a, a limited a limited wholesale. Um, we also do quite a quite a lot of um, corporate work, so we would do quite some. Um, quite a number sort of branded uh, products for um, the, the large pharma companies and IT companies around Cork. You know, okay, so it's well a very, then. very important business, especially in Cork. Okay,
6: so is twenty nineteen looking good? Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. we're
13: very very positive about it. Yeah. Yeah. We're um,
6: we have we had a big crash? I think they just switched, <laughs> on, the <Ferris laughs> well, just switched on the Ferris wheel so I thought it was a crash there for a second. So sorry, twenty nineteen is looking good? Yeah, absolutely. Um,
13: yeah. We, we we have a we, 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 we enjoy a really good reputation in the uh, in the city, which we're uh, we're very very protective of, and we're very very grateful to people for. Um, um, it's amazing, and it, it, it still. You would think at this stage it doesn't mean anything to us, but we still get a huge kick when someone, you know, it gets excited about having a hot chocolate or, or talks about you know, us in favourable terms. It still means an awful lot to us. Isn't you know? that great? Yeah. Isn't that yeah,
6: isn't, so. isn't that great? And is there a next generation to pass the business on? I to? don't.
13: I don't think so. I have, no. a, I have a I have a nine-year-old boy. And, yeah. Um, he knows all about. He knows how to operate all the machines. He knows how to do everything. But um, uh, so long as he he finishes school first, and he's in a position to decide, you know, there won't be any pressure on him. That's, well, that's the not, most important yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And yeah. you
6: didn't, but you you don't sound like you felt you, you didn't feel pressurized not to take at it all. over. Not do you? Not no. The least. no, no. Because no. you're very passionate about it. So it like it's obviously it's yeah. a part. You know, it's it's a passion.
13: It is. Yeah, it is. I, I think I think you know, running a small business, um, there are. There are sacrifices, there are kind of longer hours than the the norm. You don't necessarily make as much money as as, as someone in a salaried position in a big company would do. But uh, there are compensations as well. You get a great kick out of seeing your business developing. You get a great kick out of seeing how people react to it. And um, that keeps you going, really, you know. And if you don't have passion, I think it must be a real drudge to be running a small business. So I think you have to have passion. And, uh, yeah, the the rest falls into place then, you know.
6: Okay. And Christmas for you, Casey? Well, how will you spend Christmas this year? I'll be asleep. Um, um, You and Santa Claus,
10: isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. yeah. The two
6: hardest-working men this year. Yeah, Santa Claus is. uh, Santa Claus
13: is due to make a, a stop at our house. Um, um, And uh, no, to be honest, um, Christmas Eve is uh, is 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 a time about nine o'clock. Everything's wound down. The factory's cleaned. um, The the shops are closed, and it's just the most marvelous time. You just kind of sit down, and I think I'll be asleep by about quarter past nine.
6: And and will you take time off then? after Christmas,
1: yeah, yeah yeah christmas
13: is a very relaxed time. we're still busy in the shops because um given yeah. this time of year and yeah, given the fact around, it, yeah so we'll be we'll be in and out of the shops and i, I work in the the shops and on the markets myself as well but uh it's it's a pleasure to do it to be honest yeah. it's, it really is you know? and we've been
6: talking all morning about how successful glow has been and what a great boss yeah. there is uh, around the city yeah and people coming home for christmas it's exactly it's, yeah it really is magical it is
13: it? yeah it is it's lovely to see someone like this in the middle of the city you know it's yeah. uh it, 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 it's kind of it's an opportunity for people to come down get something to eat and feel there's kind of a festive spirit here you know yeah. I think it's going to be I, I'm hoping we're really we're all hoping obviously that the weather is good this weekend yeah you know, so yeah, please God it will be please God it will be and know. the
6: Ferris wheel is up and running have you been up on it yet uh,
13: last year I took a small boy up so I haven't um, had a chance this year yet but will you oh yeah, yeah. good on uh, you uh, good on yeah. you he's on L- a promise
6: listen have a have a wonderful Christmas um, thank you very uh, Casey much. and it's a pleasure to, uh, to chat with you uh, today and thank you for joining us that is Casey O'Connell of uh, O'Connell's chocolate. Broadcasting live from Glow on the Grand Parade.
4: This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103.
6: Cliff Richard on uh, C103 and that is uh, Saviour's uh, Day. Now, we've had a request in asking me to say, uh, some of my microphone's gone a bit haywire, we've got a request in asking to say uh, a huge thank you to the wonderful students in Nagel Rice Secondary School in Donnerale, the message from Jenny says, They called to my home on Tuesday with a gift and a card for Christmas. This is a tradition that they have been doing for years, and I'd just like to acknowledge it. I'd like to wish everybody a seemingly happy Christmas from Jenny Maloney in Donnerale. Thank you for that, Jenny, and indeed, well done. I know the students of Nagel Rice Secondary School do that that every year. They visit the older people uh, in Donnerale with a gift and, and a card, and they spend time with the older people. I think that's what it's all about. Congratulations um, to all of the kids at the school there and well done and thank you I'm back working now thank you for that yeah no I'm back perfect thank you okay the Nathan Carter live at the marquee uh, tickets we have a pair of tickets to give away again today and we have a clip from Nathan Carter which we're going to play you have to identify the words that's missing from this clip
7: it's just flown by we have been very lucky some of the shows have been s- which I never expected for my first time here
6: Okay, that's the that's the clip. Uh, we now need you to be caller number ten to get through to Bernie. Caller number ten to get through to Bernie now at eighteen fifty three 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 one o three. And uh, caller ten to get through. We'll pick up the pair of tickets to Nathan Carter live at the Marquee, and that's happening on Friday, the fourteenth of June. So call us on that. We'll give it one more play. Here's Nathan. One more time.
7: It's just flown by. We've been very lucky. Some of the shows have been which I never expected for my first time here.
6: If you can work out what the word is, give Bernie a call at 1850-333-103. Now, for many Cork families, Christmas would not be Christmas without a copy of the annual Holly Bell. Joining me at our Glow studio to discuss this year's edition of the Holly Bell is the editor, John Dolan. Good afternoon to you, John, and, and you're very welcome. Now, the Holly Bell, the tradition started back in 1897 what, what do you personally attribute to the success
3: of it? Well, I, I always say every, every town and every city uh, should have a holly and Corks, luckily enough, is the only place that does. It's, it's about pride in where you're from. Um, and I think Cork has that in spades, as we all know. And it's a tradition. And of course, Christmas is the time for traditions. So from 1897 and just about every year since, um, apart from a couple of years when there was hardly any paper around from the emergency years. Yeah, it's, during, it's
6: during what, the, the war, which was the Yeah, th- year, th- th- yeah. there was a
3: shortage of paper. So th- th- I think there was only one year maybe when it, when it didn't print at all. Um, so it's, it's just become part of the fabric of a Cork Christmas for, for just about everybody. It's, it's, a, it's a phenomenon and it's such a privilege to be associated with it. Um, how long have you been editor now? Uh, I've been, this is 17 years for me. Is it? Yeah. Wow. Um, and obviously that's only from 121 years, so <laughs> <laughs> there's a long lineage going back. Um, so what,
6: what is the oldest known copy still in existence and where is
3: it? Yeah, well, when I first became editor, we didn't know how old the Bible was. Uh, we knew it was old. We knew that um, the Crosbys had, had paid £200 to the court uh, constitution for it in 1933, I think, 1934. Um, And that was the Holly as was then. So, but we didn't know. And I put out a bit of a call when I first became editor and uh, a cork man who was living in Canada managed to track down a copy from 1897 in his loft. And he contacted me and he said, this is the first copy because the statement on page two was welcome to the first ever edition of the Hollybow. So that was a wonderful sort of breakthrough really. And we said, right, we know how old it is. Um, now he he and he sent me on some um, copies of the of the, the speech which we still have which promised to give you know gayness and merriment to our, to the Christmas uh, you know and this was 1897 um, and and to, to to celebrate the the seasons and adorn it with stories and words and you know and pictures and that message is still a theme that we have today.
6: Yeah, and is it just does somebody do you ha- actually have that copy of it?
3: No, it's it's the gentleman in Canada who had it. Um, it, it was a treasure for him, so he just uh, he sent me a couple of photocopied pages. Oh right, I'd say okay. it was only several pages of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as far as I know, he still got it. Now the oldest copy in the city library behind us, I think, is about the 1920s. Is so it? if anyone yeah. out there has one from 1897 till then, then I'd be very interested to see it because it'd yeah. be quite rare, I'd say.
6: <laughs> and then as, I take it as the years have gone on. Have you? St- uh, is there an archive now of them? Or in, oh, in
3: yeah. I mean, th- th- I think the city library have them from round about 1924 onwards everyone yeah, yeah now and, and we would obviously have some um and our offices there but the city library is the place that has most of them there yeah
6: and it's interesting that you say that that, that copy was overseas because a lovely mm. part of the Hollybow bow every year is the gallery of photos <laughs> from around the world
3: yeah isn't that just incredible it's it's phenomenal and we started it in 2002 and um the idea was that because we knew that the holly goes out to the diaspora around the world, so we just said, look, take a picture of yourself um, wherever you live, whether it's on the beach in Australia when it's hot or in America or wherever it might be. Um, and it just took off from there, and now it, it's become a situation where people who live in Cork take it on holidays with them, they take it to weddings <laughs> abroad with them. Um, and it, it's I mean, literally all year round I'm receiving emails with people holding the holly and it's, it's just a thrill and it's great. And as you say, it's uh, it's really become a... A big, a big part of the holly bow and it's, it's a link with those people who are living abroad mainly but of course as I say it's people have jumped on the bandwagon and everyone does it and, it, and it's just become a, a uh, well everyone has a phone nowadays don't they yeah. sorry, and everyone has a camera
6: because so. I, I remember being in um, Australia a, mm. number of, um, a number of years ago for Christmas and sitting in a restaurant and the guy at the table next to me pulls out the holly <laughs> really, bow yeah, and I had yeah. to go over and I said sorry I enough know. for interrupting your lunch <laughs> but and his, 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 his mammy had sent it over and he said Christmas yeah. wouldn't be Christmas wi- without, without the the yeah, and I remember telling that story uh, when, uh, on air when it, when I came back, and somebody said that they were on a tube in London. And somebody, and nobody speaks on the tube in London. No, no. And somebody pulled out the Hollybow, and, yeah. and he just turned around. He said, and they got, and he said, they could see people looking at them. He said, big conversation struck <laughs> up, and it was all over the Hollybow. So you're connecting people around the world. I love those stories, world. that's great. Yeah, yeah, but you're connecting people around the world as well, which, which is great. Yep. So if you're 17 years doing it, when do you start on next year's edition?
3: Well, I mean, I, I always say it's a Christmas publication, but to me, it's an Easter to Halloween <laughs> production. Um, because, yeah, around about Easter each year, um, we'd set up the edition, and I'd start trolling through trolling through some of the stories that we've had and the pictures, and I'd start tipping away, um, just working away nicely at the stories, doing a lot of research and background on some of them. Um, and then it, it really kicks in around about, you know, July, August, because we're, at the end of October, you know, literally we're printing, so... You know, I often have conversations with people on a, on a steaming hot day in July saying, Would you write me a piece for the Holly Bowl this year? On you, uh, your Christmas memories, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, and it's funny because if you mention uh, Christmas to anyone before you know November, they'll they'll normally say, Oh, on yeah. your bike, but there's so much goodwill to the Holly Bowl that people actually say, Oh, wow, I'd love to, <laughs> it's yeah, it's great. You see, yeah. you're really so pushing an open door, with so it, the yeah.
6: they've no problem. Now, we're also yeah. joined you in our Glow studio by uh, Catherine Mahan Buckley. We last spoke to Catherine on the eve of uh, Panto, and we have been getting. Such rave reviews. We said we couldn't have our program from Glow without bringing Catherine Baxter here. Uh, you. You're very so good. You're very good uh, <laughs> to rejoin us. And I'm going to talk about the panther in a moment. But I want to bring you in on this part of the conversation. Is the Holly bell part of your Christmas tradition, growing
4: up and all of that? Uh, yes, it, uh, it was because my father was um, he was a musician, so he was very very involved in sort of charity work. My mom is from Dublin, so she would have been a stranger to it. So she was introduced to the holly bow through Dad, but Dad would have been very Im- involved in different areas. And I think, actually, I must search because I have a funny feeling we might have some of the wow. past ones <laughs> in the house, yeah. you know. But you remember it
6: always coming into the house yes. and flicking through. Without a doubt. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And I think it's because the size um, of it, John. Mm. I mean, you, you get the full month, nearly a December out of it.
3: You do. and it's a, And I always say people don't have people are so time poor they don't have much time to read that nowadays but for two weeks at Christmas they do yeah and and they want to read something and they want to do the puzzles that we have in the Tiffany quiz and a crossword are hugely popular as well but yeah they want to uh, tuck into something that's really you know compelling read and uh, that's the time of year to do it and I and again I often receive emails from people maybe in April or May saying I've just finished all yeah you know. and yeah. I just think well that's wonderful you know and it just shows mm. that you know we've got 164 pages now which is huge production you know on a printing press and yeah, and it's, and it's read from cover to cover, which is really gratifying for everybody yeah. who writes for it. you know.
6: And, uh, and as families, uh, sorry, Catherine, I'm uh, assuming as families, yeah. people can sit down and they, they'll chat about one of, the, one of the articles. Did you read that article?
3: Yeah, I mean, the, the articles are the, are the lifeblood of it to me. I mean, because I always say the Hollybow is written by the people for the people um, because it's, we have, obviously, we have writers, we have Colonel Creed and an extract from his new novel this year. Uh, we have historians as well, esteemed historians who write for it. But, you know, the real lifeblood of the Hollybow is people who aren't... Writers, they're not professional writers, they're not historians, they're just people who have a story and we all have a story and those are the people who actually, and it doesn't have to be someone who was a hero in the the War of Independence, it doesn't have to be someone who something really dramatic happened to, it can just be a a nice story, a funny story, a a sad story. And people share those stories with our readers. And, you know, and those are the things that just people love. It's, it's the human interest, isn't it? It's mm. yeah.
4: okay. And I was just going to say that when you see it in the shops, you actually believe that Christmas has just <laughs> yeah. started. You do. So you <laughs> yeah. go, oh, the holly it's started. And my mom now who's in Marymount, um, that was the first thing that I brought up to her. Oh, lovely. And she, yeah, she, you know, she, like her reading would be great now at the moment, but she would look through everything. And, yeah. and yeah. I said to her one day, are you finished with it? And she went, no. No, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yep. Off. so it's great, to you know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And,
6: <laughs> and the, the cover, um, mm. uh, John,
3: uh, talk to me about this year's um, cover. Well, yeah, I mean, a few years ago, we kind of broke with tradition, a little bit of tradition, because I decided that I'd ask a different Cork artist each year to do, to do a cover. Um, it, I think it's great to encourage local artists. We have so many in Cork as well. Uh, incidentally, last year, Niall McCarthy from East Cork did a, a lovely cover, people might remember, of The Glow Wheel. Um, which, great, has be- yeah. which has become a, a real Christmas institution very quickly, hasn't it? Um, but yeah, I mean, so this year it was a case of, a, there was an artist we did a feature on in Evening Echo early in the year called Jill Cotter. And Jill is kind of an architectural artist. Um, she doesn't actually have cars or people in her in drawings. She's, she just loves the buildings. She loves Cork City. She's from Cork. Um, so she just likes to draw the buildings and get the real character of them. So again, early in the year, around about the summertime, when it was hot, I contacted Jill and she very, she very kindly accepted the challenge of, uh, of doing this year's um, artwork, which as you can see, it's, it's the beautiful. tree of remembrance. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Yeah,
6: because yeah. when I looked at it, what, you know, what struck me I thought there's nobody in the street. I mean, to me, mm. it's that, it's that uh, Christmas Eve, Christmas morning, everyone's gone to bed, everyone's gone home. Yeah. And it's just the stillness of, yeah. of the street. And I think
3: as well, when you put people and car and vehicles into, into artwork, it dates it straight away. You know, and, and with that, point. yeah, with, with that drawn, it's I know it's almost timeless, isn't it? And I love the Patrick Sill going up at the I think mm. that's so iconic as well. Patrick. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's it's, it's just so gorgeous. So I'm so going so to talk to
6: people. you about uh, some more or uh, some of the articles uh, in it, John. But I want to talk mm. to Catherine uh, about uh, the Everyman's uh, panto and Cinderella. Are you absolutely thrilled with the reaction to this
4: year's panto? I'm delighted, absolutely delighted. I kind of ventured. I remember saying a week before we we were due to go up you know, I said, I think this has the recipe of having standing ovations every night, and we've got to just drive it to that, and my words have come true there are standing ovations every single night of the show, and um, just the screams, and I suppose the the belief, you know, when you you, you take a a traditional story like Cinderella and you put in what I call the what if into it um, you're taking a risk but you're keeping, like you keep the storyline pure, but you're taking a risk you don't know how well it's going to be received um, and, of course, the first few days, you're kind of watching how the reactions are. But they have been just phenomenal. I mean, absolutely phenomenal. And do do audiences react to different things on different nights? Very much so. Yeah, that always so. ceas- never ceases to amaze me. Yeah, I remember now there was one, like, at the, uh, one of the morning shows, we had a group of children in from Educate Together from Middleton and they're with our deputy principal, Amy Martin. And there was absolute silence. And their just mouths were opened and the little heads were going and I went, what's wrong? And then I realized they couldn't believe that the ugly sisters were so bold. <laughs> they just couldn't believe they were speechless for a while. Do you know? And how bold uh, are your ugly sisters? Oh, they're so bold. Oh, <laughs> they are so, so bold. But do you know what this, the book, how bold they are? I keep saying it's our inner voice. I keep saying it's the inner little person in all of us. All Even four of us sitting around here. We all have that bold element, you know. We're saying one thing, we're meaning another thing. <laughs> so I brought so, that out in the ugly. <laughs> so the, so the, the little
6: ones just in awe of the boldness. Absolutely. That there was nobody stopping them being mm, bold.
4: Yeah, and I think that one thing Amy said to me afterwards, she said, I hope they won't be trying that in class, you know. <laughs> but, uh, and then there was that lovely little moment on a night show um, Cinderella came in and the room was a total mess and she had to clean it up and she went oh what am I going to do how am I going to clean it all up and a little voice from the audience I'll help you Cinderella oh, it gosh. was so Lovely. touchy <laughs> yeah it was just and, so and
6: that's the beauty of, of Panto in a heartbeat
4: that child would have been on the stage trying to help her exactly exactly. because even like that's where um, going back a good few years we used to have the the, the characters going into the audience you know We actually had to stop that because the children, even adults, think they're real. I know. And, you know, you're putting their lives at danger if you put (laughs) them down. Didn't somebody get tripped up? Yes. Yeah. It was actually Jim Mulcahy, and if he's listening, uh, hi, Jim, how are you? Jim was an ugly sister, and he had to go through the audience. And this little fella um, just put out his foot (laughs) and tripped him. And he picked him up in his his mic, and he went, serve your right bleep. (laughs) And, <laughs> so and yeah. now Jim played with him, but yeah. we realized that your man was fully into it, you know, yeah, so yeah. you have to protect that as well. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and
6: as John is 17 years during the bow, you're 25 years yes, yes. Um, producing and, and directing Panto. Similar question that I put to John. When do you start on next year's?
4: Uh, already. <laughs> we actually have decided on the the, 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 the title. And from January on, it's actually just work, work. I mean, I'll just start thinking about the storyline where I want to take it. Then you start contracting people whom you would like to have in it. Um, you kind of look at the overall. You know, you've you've to, you to contract the creative team, the production team, the cast. You know, and they're all booked up by March, April. You have to, Isn't
0: that because incredible. and then
4: uh, throughout the summer, then you're working on costumes. Like I will give you an example. Like there's two hundred and fifty costumes. In the show of Cinderella. So, like, you just can't decide in October that we're going to do, you know, we're going to work those out. There's 289 lighting cues each time that the show is on that the stage manager has to call. Do you know? So, there's a huge amount of, of work into it. I mean, no wonder they say it's the biggest show of the year. Because it is, do you know, with, with all so much technical uh, Sorry, right.
6: Olaf has just popped up at the, the, the window behind us. Hello to... <laughs> they are collecting for breakthrough cancer research. Okay, mm. that must be the shop and collect gang. Okay, <laughs> all right, thank you for that. Um, <laughs> right, g- costumes, because the one thing when I said that uh, we were having you back into our studio today, the one, the one comment I keep getting about people who have been to Cinderella this year is... Ask Catherine, how does the dress work? This is the transformation of Cinderella, where she's the scholarly maid to going
3: to the ball. Now, John, you you were it. at the panto, you saw it. Oh, incredible! What was the
6: reaction the oh, night
3: you were there? It, it, everyone's mouth were just agape. You know, it was just one of those real wow moments because you know you're watching her and you you know that or the adults may know that there's a there's going to be a transformation, but you just you, your, your eyes are blinking. It's like a magic trick. It's I, I, I'm. I'm I'm sure, Catherine's going to tell me how it's done, or maybe it's a because trade no, secret. No, normal,
6: n- <laughs> n- normally Cinderella will go off stage, and there'll <laughs> be and a, there's little a double. Yeah, mm.
4: no, we didn't. And it, well done to Jessica Healy, our designer, who came up with this idea. We've been working on it since the summer, and um, you know, and particularly with say the Everyman because it's such an intimate theatre. She's downstage; she's not even upstage, so that she's really in the line of all the all, all the mm. audience, and it's just magic. So I'm not saying anymore. You have to come to see it. <laughs> wow. Uh, it's just a magic thing I know to she there, pulled
6: though. something on the dress. was as much as I got. And I was like, how oh, can you pull something on a dress and it turns into a lovely dress? And I said, like, that's what happened. I saw magic. her pull something on woman's dress.
4: Yes, that's fantastic. Magic. But when you, all the costumes, is there a lot of repairs to costumes? During oh, print? yes. We yeah. would actually have, um, well, we have a costume mistress on board, Kira and uh, if anything I- is needed there's a, there's a place designated for sewing or whatever, whatever needs to be done. And things obviously
6: it. do get ripped. They do, yeah. no, they do yeah. it?
4: because it's such a physical show you know and I suppose that was the first thing that I decided when we were going to do Cinderella that I was going to kind of use the physicality because and the interaction with the audience because I think you know we talk about all the technical stuff that they have today we talk about computers we talk about their games and things but human beings love human contact mm. And they love that idea of that three you know I, I used to say 10 15 years ago that in 50 years somebody's going to make a million of pounds teaching people how to eyeball each other and say hello yeah and it's it's gone to the stage that I would actually say start getting ready now because it's going to happen because people have kind of lost that but when you come to the band you realize that they really want that they want that communication they want that interaction with each other you know and I suppose children and adults I've seen adults getting up I saw a man during the week getting up and giving the uglies bellow (laughs) stood up (laughs) and told them to (laughs) where to go like and I was saying you know what well done he's keeping I keep saying I know they mock me at this one but I say it's so important that every single one of us even if we're three to hundred and three We keep the child alive in us because that child is the magic of everything in your life. You know, it's new. It's you know it's even like even with you John with the Hollybough you know when you get it it's you've got to see it because it's this it's a different yep. one every year and you want to read it even the cover you love looking at all it those things br- and it brings you and back, back to when you were of a child
6: fresh and that's what panto does it, yes. it brings out the child uh, uh, in all of us some of the stories contained uh, in uh, this year's Hollybough John to talk about a call to put the hot back on Patrick Street.
3: Yeah, this is Jack Lyons, who's a, a regular contributor. He's a well-known man about town, Jack, uh, postman and busman down the years. Um, and, and Jack, um, he, when he was a busman, he remembered going into the old shelter there, which was used by the tram drivers back in the day as well. Every, everyone, most people would remember uh, this old hut. Um, it, was, it, it wasn't anything fancy, particularly. It was just a place uh, that was out of the rain and you could have a, a cup of tea or something. But it, it's been gone from the street for several years um, and Jack wants to bring it back. And he actually tracked it down. It's actually um, in a yard. It's a c- in a council yard, uh, just languishing there. This sort of l- wonderful old piece of history, uh, which to anyone else is just a bit of corrugated uh, steel or whatever yeah. it's made of. It was. It's, um,
6: it's gone since 2002.
3: Yeah, when when um, the, the the street was re- redesigned, it was taken yeah. away and, and never brought back. And Jack just, I mean, it doesn't have to go to the same place. But Jack would like to see it come back into the into into the city because. You know, you could. Y- he, s- he suggested that maybe we could turn it into, you know, some kind of little historical place or somewhere you can go, or even a little tourist booth. Yeah. You know, and just make it make, but it b- bring something back of the history. So yeah, it was it was interesting and and reading about the history that Pat Poland wrote a history about it as well, and and the history of it is fascinating. You know, it was originally used as a you know for the fire service tenders. Um, before, before there was a, a, a fire station mm. properly. So, when there was a fire in the city, th- there had to be people around to get to it, and they'd be pushing these, you know, tenders up up the hills and everything. And that was their kind of um, place to go and, and put the feet up. So, there's a lot of history with it, and people are very fond of it. And um, it's it's missing, I think, from the city se- streetscape now. I think.
6: Okay, you. There is an article on Cork's oldest businesses.
3: Yeah, I Tell mean, me about that. well, it there was a fascinating. This this came from a bit of research th- that we did, um, and. Th- we were trying to find what's the oldest um, c- you know, running family business in the city. Um, and it, it transpired that um, we were th- 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 there was a company, and it was started in Yarl, and it was a hat company. And it was running, I think, I'm trying to remember how long was it, 250 years it was running. And it was started off by an Englishman who came to fight in the, in the Williamite Wars, and he settled in Yarl, of all places, and set up a hat business, and then he moved it into the city. And it was in the city for 200 years. And um, so we just thought, you know, this looks like the oldest business in Cork, so we'll put it out there and we'll see if there's any any takers for next year to tell us yeah. I know one that's older. Um, Get out of here. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's, it, and, and you look at some of the adverts that used to be in the old Examiners and Echoes back in the day. And, you know, but when you see the old photographs from the 30s, the 40s, the 50s, everyone had a hat. Yeah, Everyone did, had yeah. a hat. Yeah. And, and then when that stopped, I don't know, around about maybe the 60s, it, it, it stopped being a fashion, didn't it? People stopped wearing them apart from older people. Uh, and you can imagine the, the bottom fell out of that <laughs> business world yeah, at that stage. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but they were they were two hundred years in business. And um, looking at the old adverts, they, they it looked like they did just about every hat known to man and woman. You know, they they really had everything there. So yeah, th- and and uh, we 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 extended out from that into different businesses around Cork and how how long they'd been around as well.
6: And the um. businessman who travelled to Paris to have his life saved because of rabies.
3: Yeah, that that was an amazing story. And I literally I actually stumbled upon that because. Um, I noticed in, it was an old holly that I was looking through early in the year, and I noticed there was a story by a Canadian lady, she was elderly then, and she wrote this when I was first editor, so it's going back 15, 16 years now. And she wrote a piece about walking through the streets of Cork in 1918 as a child. Um, and I thought, well, I could run this again, because that's 100 years ago now, so there's a bit of a connection to it. And she was talking about the fact that her dad had a, was a vet uh, at Hall's Yard, I think it was, in Cook Street. Um, And when I did a bit of research on a father who was a vet, I saw that there was some news stories from back in the 1880s, 1890s, about how he basically saved this businessman's life. He was bitten by a dog. Now, at the time, if a rabid dog bit you, then... You died. You died. That was it. But um, Louis Pasteur had just set up an institute in Paris because he'd found a vaccine for rabies. So this vet... Now, obviously, this businessman wasn't short of a few bob. So the vet uh, advised him, get on the tra- get on the buses and the trains or whatever you can. Yeah, you can't go to the airport nope, and fly. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it would have been a two-day journey yeah. while, while he was obviously bitten and um, it was in his bloodstream, I guess. Um, and I think you have maybe between a week and three weeks, you know, something like that with rabies. So it was very serious, but he basically went on a, on a life or death mission to Paris and he stayed at the Louis Pasteur Institute in Paris for two weeks, was injected with the... Vaccine for rabies every day. Yeah, came the first home, ever vaccine came home and lived a long and happy life. And yeah. you know what a lucky so man! It's a brilliant story. Yeah, yeah, incredible it's bit yeah. of history. Yeah, it it, it
6: it really is a brilliant story. Um, Catherine, the children that are involved in the pantomime, yes. um, how important are the children on stage to the overall success of the pantomime? And how important is the pantomime for those children? I'm always thinking the confidence booster it must give to kids.
4: Well, I think it's very important in the sense that, you know, you'd have five groups. And they would actually, you know, rotate because you couldn't have them. Ro- They're too young. Yeah, excuse yeah. me, I could have to cough. You okay?
6: <coughs> do you want some water? <coughs> yeah. Do you want to take some water there? Um, I'll go back to John while while you're while while you're getting your your uh, throat back. Um, Prince Harry's core connection.
3: Yeah, and again, d- it's this is something that a <laughs> lot
6: may, a lot of people may not know about. Yeah,
3: if you go back t- um, with Prince Harry's family, not too far, I think Princess Diana's father. Um, he had he had cork blood he had a cork connection um so i think i i, I is it great great grandfather was from cork or something yeah. like that but when you look at the family history you actually see that he also fell for a, an american beauty as well <laughs> so there's something kind of in the in the genetics there isn't and there? If you look it the if same. you look
6: at harry he's got a bit of a cork head on him doesn't well, he
3: yeah yeah exactly red yeah. Hair and all that. <laughs> that's definitely there as well bit, and, uh, bit of a cork head there <laughs> okay catherine's
6: catherine's got no the problem. cough out of the way Thank the you. children and 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 well, the, importance uh, the importance
4: of the importance of them is that they that's where they learn their trade would you believe because you're now looking at uh, people whom, say 25 years ago, like April Kelly, she started at three, she was in the junior chorus, then she went into the, the mid chorus, then there's the senior chorus, and she's, now, she's the girl who's playing the goose. Um, you're talking about Robert Foley, who is our choreographer. He started in panto. Um, I suppose really it's been a tradition more so, I think, in Cork than in uh, in anywhere else. Like Eileen Kavanagh, that's where I I went with Eileen Kavanagh and then to Eileen Nolan. And they all kind of, you always, Panto, to some families, wouldn't be Panto if the children weren't in the show. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I they, they you know, you they talk about you go to college, you learn to trade. But in, in, in the performing arts, you start at three and you're, you learn your trade right through, you know. And you okay, it's a tough business. Very tough. Yeah. Would I... Would I be advising people? I, sometimes I feel a bit of a fraud because I, I say to them, oh, my God, could you pick something else? Yeah. Because you have to have a passion and you have to have a love. I heard a listener earlier w- of O'Connell's Chocolate saying, yeah. you have to love it. And it's exactly the same in, in, in theatre. Yeah. You have to be so passionate and it has to be just so important to you. Do you know? I mean, I, I could say if, um, if I wasn't involved in the performing arts, I don't know, maybe maybe I could be into something else mischievously. You know what I mean? Whatever. I could not see you doing anything else, <laughs> <Could> Catherine. You? <laughs> you're you're <laughs> perfectly
6: suited to it. Okay, to wrap it up, both of you for a Christmas, what, what are you doing for Christmas, John?
3: Well, we'll have a Christmas at home. Yeah. We, we, we have four children, and the youngest is three. And incidentally, she went to her first panto, The Cinderella, the last week. Yeah. And she sang and she danced her heart out. This and I'm afraid good. she didn't see the end because she <laughs> fell asleep. Ah, bless. So and <laughs> no, and that, no. that's <laughs> common occurrence, but isn't yeah. Yeah.
4: Catherine, it, Catherine? Is, yeah. Yeah. yeah, for Particularly at the afternoon I mean, shows the buggies come in it's like <laughs> buggy land you know what I mean yeah. and they do yeah and and some of them co- go out and go in and you know th- and that's okay too because I think that's yeah. I think the most important thing is that you're introducing them to live theatre yeah. and mm. they're seeing a band as well and yeah. it's all about that and and um, and, and I suppose the most important thing is that every one of us make it a brilliant experience for themselves. Okay, you know? and you run into the 13th, isn't it? That's right. And how much time off over Christmas? We have Christmas Eve, Christmas Day and St. Stephen's Day. Just three days. Three days. And they have like, since yesterday now, two six, Christmas Eve, they have 10 shows because two shows a day. Yeah. And once they go back, there's two shows a day for a full week again. So they could end up doing 14 shows. And yeah, so they, they you do welcome the the three days, but okay. you're so exhausted you can do nothing. Do okay, you know? so if you haven't got
6: if you haven't been, you haven't got your tickets. Get booking because it is uh, booking out uh, fast. And Christmas, um, Catherine at home. Christmas
4: is. Uh, we go to Ted's parents. Well, his parents' house. His sister carries on with the tradition. Yeah. And my mom will be joining us as well. So okay. How is, how is your mom? She's doing fine. You know, cool. she's good days and bad days, but she's yes. doing well. So I send. Her a love to everybody in Marymount. They're just an amazing, amazing hospital, and I'm so grateful that you know the dignity and the love that they give my mom. I can never repair them. Well Repay done, them. well Repay
6: done. Them. Listen, have a, a wonderful Christmas to both of uh, you.
4: Can you just ask yeah. the um, Aunt Kelly, who's the musical director, is his bail, his choir is in Saint Luke's on Friday at five thirty. Giving a, they're a choral group, a men's only group. So they're doing a, um, a concert on for charity tomorrow so, tomorrow so, We well. don't know what day of the week it's Friday. Friday,
6: tomorrow is Friday okay listen yeah. thank you for that Catherine yes, and so. Mahan Buckley and uh, John Dolan yes. editor of the Holly Bell thank you very much for joining us uh, here at our Glow uh, studio live in the Grand Parade
4: the C103 Cork Diary
6: with Cork
2: County Council supporting businesses supporting communities serving Cork visit corkcoco.ie.
6: Mallow Athletic Club are hosting their goal mile on Christmas Day. It's from 10am to 12 noon and the venue is Donorell uh, Park. While Kill Mac Simon Swimming and Rowing Club they're hosting a Christmas morning swim. That's at Gary Lucas Beach at half past 11. Sponsorship cards are available from club members. The students of Skull Community College are hosting a musical play called All Shook Up. It's a special edition of Twelfth Night but it's set to the music of Elvis Presley. Doors open at half past six tonight for a 7.15 start and family rates are uh, available. And the 40th annual Christmas Day Swim will be held at Tregumna in Skibbereen. Fancy dress is uh, optional. Uh, we're broadcasting live from GLOW for a Cork Christmas celebration live on the Grand Parade.
2: Cork Today on C103, live from Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade.
6: And um, by the way, congratulations to Julia Hearn of Bandon. Julia was the winner of our Nathan Carter tickets. Now, we always like to have some live music at our outside broadcast, and today is no different. Joining us at our studio here at GLOW is uh, Cork Busker, uh, Dylan Brickley. Good morning, or oh, good afternoon to you at this stage. Good afternoon, Dylan. Oh yeah, uh, You're very welcome. Tell me a little bit about yourself. I mean, where are you originally from, schooling, and all that?
14: Yeah, so uh, I'm from Whitechurch, originally, and I uh, went to school out in cairne and uh, yeah, I was interested in music from a young age, so I started playing the guitar and uh ever since then I just started busking, trying to get experience and uh do a bit of songwriting as well. So
6: And hard. have you done have you have you has, has college been part of for for music or have you just
14: And um, no, uh, I actually study I studied in the College of Commerce, I study studying business but um yeah, t- but must, You
6: need the business behind you as well for the, for the music. Definitely. You were yeah. involved with um, a fundraiser for homelessness this week.
14: Yeah, yeah, I was. Um, it, it was actually inside in the College of Commerce um, as part of the We Are Christmas concert and uh, fundraiser for Cork Penny Dinners. And it was great to be a uh, part of that because... Um, I, I was performing, but there was other other people as well, and there was some talent there, so it's great to be a part of it.
6: Okay, talk to me about the busking. Do you do a lot of busking around Cork?
14: Yeah, I do. Um, I did a lot more of it, to be honest, when I was uh, studying in Cork, in, in Cork. I think I finished up about two years ago, but since then I've been travelling around Europe and... Uh, busking? Gigging as well, actually. Wow. So I just organise gigs around different cities and just try and get my name out there, and yeah, it's been going pretty good. And who
6: are your musical influences?
14: Um, my musical influences would be, I like a bit of Damien Rice. Yeah. Um, I listen to a bit of everything, like even a, a bit of Bob Dylan from, you know, like I, I'm uh, influenced by a lot of stuff from, from my songwriting. And uh, like even nowadays, Picture This and a lot of Irish acts. Dormit Kennedy, he's very good. So a lot of different. Tell
6: styles. me about meeting Paolo Nettini.
14: Oh yeah, that that's a good story. <laughs> that happened about uh I think that was about two years ago now. Maybe a year year and a half or something, but I was busking in Cardiff and I heard he was in town alright, so me and another few buskers were joking saying like it'd be great if he passed, uh, while we were playing and um, it was it was very quiet the same same day, like and I was just singing a song by the Frey called How to Save a Life and uh there, there was some guy just stopped listening to me and I was I was kind of thinking that that's him, alright, like, and I was just a bit a uh, bit nervous, but uh, I tried calling him over, but he was a very private guy, you know. Yeah. And uh, I was I was a bit a uh, bit like, you know. So I finished up, and because he dropped he dropped me money as well, like, you know. Very good. And uh, th- then I uh, I said it to my friend down down the street. He was playing as well, and he said he thought he saw him, but I didn't know was he just uh, lying, you know, just trying to act up. And then the next day we were busking again, and it was just so random he just walked up the street and uh, he couldn't recognise us from the day before so we called him over got a picture but uh, as I say I know he's a very private guy he yeah, didn't really want yeah. any of it like. but we had to get a pic
6: but he gave you money
14: yeah, yeah. So I you can
6: now say he's a fan.
14: Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> it, it wasn't really w- with the money, it was just uh, that he stopped and listened. Yeah, and, yeah he could know, have okay. just
6: walked on by. If he wasn't any good, he'd have walked on by, yeah. which, he d- which he didn't do. Obviously, okay, you're yeah. going to sing for us today? Yeah, I'm going to... What are you singing?
14: I'm going to sing uh, the Christmas one there, because Christmas yeah. is coming up. Yeah. This one's a soundbite picture of this, called This Christmas. Okay, so okay. Hope okay. you enjoy it.
6: Oh, a nap Oh, sorry. My apologies. We have to oh, take no. a loud break first, and then we'll be back uh, with uh, Dylan Brickley singing. So, uh, just take a quick break.
2: Cork today on C one o three live from Glow, a Cork Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade. And here's Cork
6: singer songwriter Dylan Brickley.
1: It's so warm where you are has the snow falling down? Does the fire light beside you? And is your house dressed in lights? Can you see it from afar? Does the fire burn beside you? And it's a wonderful time To make you mine and Though I know it's not that easy And I hope that you find love and all you dream in love And This Christmas And I hope that you'll find peace And your mind is at ease This Christmas This Christmas When you watch the children play Out upon the street Just like you did last year and will your family gather around and talk about old times? Will you drink a little wine? And it's a wonderful time to make you mine. And though I know it's not that easy. And I hope that you find love and all your dreaming love. This Christmas, and I hope that you find peace, and your mind is at ease, this Christmas, this Christmas, and I hope that you find love, and all your dreaming love, this Christmas, this Christmas.
6: Wow, that is uh, Dylan Brickley. That's gorgeous, uh, Dylan. Are you gigging over Christmas?
14: Yeah, I'm gigging. Uh, g- I actually kept busy enough. Um, so I've been down in Killarney and up in Cork as well. So my next gig is actually this Saturday out in a place by uh, Mitchelstown called uh, Ballyanders. Ballyanders, I know and, it uh, well. Yeah, it's a pub called, I think it's called Galliers pub. Yeah, yeah. So uh, playing there Saturday night. So if you're around the area, check it out and uh
6: and and have you been to gigs in over Christmas?
14: Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm out in Lake Watergrass Hill on New Year's in the Fortree. tree. I um, don't have my gig diary. I'm okay, all right, but, but you do, yeah, yeah, but You but You, are you can find on my uh, Facebook and my Instagram and stuff. Okay. So under Dylan Brickley Music.
6: And you're writing a lot of stuff.
14: Yeah, I'm writing my own songs. I brought out an EP last year. And uh, yeah, I've been travelling around Europe with that, selling them CDs. So next year, I know my plan is to bring out a new, new uh new uh, album or something like
6: that. So, Alright, you might come back into us, into the studio uh, when yeah. you have that up and running, would
14: you? That'd be great.
6: Yeah, well, I, we, we would look forward to that. Listen, uh, Dylan, well done. Congratulations, uh, Congratulations to you and continued good success. Uh, you? we Cheers. look forward to the first gold album and all of that Cheers. and the happy big Christmas. cello concert happy Christmas to you as well uh, thanks a million that is uh, Dylan Brickley Cork uh, singer songwriter ok that's where we wrap it up for today just a number of people to say thank you to Ken Parish, who has been on uh, sound uh, Eva has been with us on the street fleet um, outside John Foote is uh, back on sound back in the studio and uh, Bernie Murphy who's been answering the phones and uh, holding everything together the studio John Paul McNamara as always producing Thank you for that, um, John Paul. We will be back with you tomorrow. We've got uh, the final one of the week Uh, tomorrow. We have more of the Nathan Carter tickets to give away live at the marquee. He's playing on the 14th of June and we have one more set of tickets to give away which we will give away tomorrow. Reminding you that those tickets are on sale. Ticketmaster.ie if you want to purchase some of those uh, tickets. We're wrapping it up here from Glow except to remind you that the Glow Markets and the Ferris Reel uh, can